Here we are. We're here. We did it again. Season three. I have a blanket. Episode four. Shockingly. Welcome to Post Orthodoxy. I'm one of your hosts, Dark Sevier. This is media maven, tech genius, and co-host, Ainsley Sevier. And then this is the chat box that we put in the middle for you guys to talk to us. That's for you. And to each other. Yeah. I go through a lot of... This lady over here doesn't have much to say. Mental shenanigans every week, trying to create, make sure that this environment is set up. What happened? You sent an angry face in the chat. I did. (laughs) I just wanted to see what works. Making sure that this environment is set up and ready to go for you guys. Do you want to do some kind of disclaimer for folks so we don't injure injure our viewers and listeners? So we have um, a guest coming in today, Evno Omni. Um, from Hawaii. He won't be joining us until later on in the show, so there will be a little bit of shenanigans later on in the show. Clunking around, trying to get him on the air. Zoom live, but it'll be fine. You guys are game. Um, Before that point, we're going to do what we always do, which is confront the dogmas of the day. Now, a dogma is um, something that you feel strongly about that nobody's allowed to question. Mm. And that's what we do here on Post-Orthodoxy, is we question dogmas. We think that dogmas and dogmatic thinking, black and white thinking, binary thinking, um, uh, divide communities rather than build communities. And Dark and I are out to have a better time with more people more often. So we regularly challenge anything that is a locked down belief system. Um, That might mean that we might discuss something on this show that makes you feel primally unsafe if we introduce reasonable doubt into something that you think is the way all of reality is. You might experience a feeling of feeling unsafe because you're not sure if you're believing the right thing anymore. A mental owie. And that might cause you to lash out defensively. Now, we're fine if you lash out defensively. We can take it. But you should be advised that... um, Anything that comes up that you're not supposed to ask questions about, we ask questions about. And why do we do this, Dark? Uh, Well, for me, it's really about introducing reasonable doubt into a super sketchy narrative. Any super sketchy narrative. Any kind of super sketchy narrative. When it becomes the one, there's the the phrase that... Did you bring uh, my juice down? I did. The Facebook algorithm keeps sending me an ad (laughs) with an old guy and a shirt that says, it's better to have... Uh, answers, questions I can't answer than answers I can't question. I agree with that. And that's kind of what I think is the core of the show. Like, we can question it, and then maybe it stands up to scrutiny. It's totally fine. Move on. That's worth, that's a thing that we should do. The reason that we do question dogmas and we do question things that you're not supposed to question is because we both grew up in 
groups that had belief systems that you weren't allowed to question. And this divided us from each other within our groups. Mm. And it divided the people in our groups from the rest of their neighbors on the planet. And that that division is unhealthy and artificial. And it keeps us from actually confronting the people who are really causing problems on the planet. It's an insular way when when you have an in-group and an out-group. It's a way to ensure identity, and that gets people off if they have a new identity they can tune into. For yeah. example, one of the current ones is like the maskers or the anti-maskers. Like if you, it's really hard to not have an opinion on that issue, right? Because it affects your family, it affects your kids, it affects whether or not you can go into some places. It affects. It has a number of effects. So when we in-group, out-group. And bifurcate a society where there's good when we decide that our neighbors and family are the bad guys, that is a slippery slope to total disaster. Uh, as they so say, so that's why I think it's important that we question some things. As they say, a house divided against itself will not stand. And we are the house, and, you and yeah. all of your neighbors, even the ones you dislike and disagree with. We are all in the house together. We are the house. And if we're divided against each other, we cannot stand. So we're here at Post Orthodoxy to build compassion and build community through overcoming misunderstandings. Because once you understand something, you can have compassion. Right, so we got to ask some questions, and some people are going to get butt hurt. And if you're just don't watch the show, or we have this chatbot. This is why we have get the chatbot in the middle of the thing. Get mad. You can actually challenge our perspective, yeah. which we not only uh, will accept, we encourage. Now, this is why we have this. Some people out respectful, there respectful, respectful dialogue yeah. is what I'm well, looking for. Respectful dialogue with data. With data helps. So if you, for instance, if we're talking about green energy and you come in and you say, yeah, but windmills kill birds, that comment isn't very productive. And to me, it's evidence that you're coming from a perspective of someone who's just listened to what other people tell you you're supposed to think rather than actually understanding the understanding story. the story yourself or put it flip side we'll do a, a red story and a blue story flip side if you are uh, if we're talking about um, perhaps relationship styles and gender and sexuality mm. and you come in and say uh, it's a hot topic everybody who doesn't support gay marriage is homophobic that means that you are a person that has just accepted what you're supposed to say about something and you haven't actually taken time to understand the issues and what's going on because I can tell you as a person that grew up against gay marriage, I am not against gay marriage anymore, I thought that I was saving people's literal souls from eternal damnation by trying to keep them from being gay. I was doing it from a place of love. It was very brainwashed and misguided love. But it was from a place of love, and I can understand that now, having been on both sides, that the only way we're going to bridge that gap in the house between the neighbors is with compassion and mutual understanding. Yeah, I like to start off the show with sort of, just so you get an idea where we're coming from, um, I like to say things (laughs) that I think I would love for people to show me how I'm incorrect. I'm not here saying things and get mad if you think what I'm saying is incorrect. So I like to say things that might be provocative, such as... We don't live in a democracy. We don't live in a democratic republic. We're, this is literally an oligarchy with unlimited political bribery, which means your vote doesn't count for shit in the big elections. I still like to say in the local election, you might want to do a yeah. grassroots thing and build up. We can do that. But when you're voting for president or a senator, your vote doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Does, and also, it doesn't matter who gets in. Yeah. 
because they're not there for you. They are the house divided against itself, but they are standing because they all decided, hey, let's divide up into teams to keep the people running around and chasing each other's tails. But instead, we're, they're all actually funded by the same people with the same goals, and they're not goals that are from your betterment. Pfizer has, is the largest political lobbyist to Congress. And the largest funder not of, to the the ma- Democrats, of the mainstream media. Or the Republicans to Congress. To Congress. If all you're getting Congress. elected, you've got Pfizer's number in your phone. Yeah. So that's, I don't know, conflict of interest. We should maybe question yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, sure. um, Paul Niehaus dropped a heart. Yeah. He's here for it. And uh, old Deb says, shenanigans from you two are well appreciated. Yay. Lest we lose perspectives. Uh, thanks. Thanks for saying that. Now, I don't call her, I don't call you old Deb. I called her old Deb because she called herself old Deb. Yeah, that's her, <laughs> that's her handle. Yeah. Her handle. Her handle is actually just Debra Lynch. I just realized. Right. But. I'm not being a dick, I promise. One of the other things that I like to say that I am also totally looking for discourse on is uh, the idea that we are all heavily propagandized. I am heavily propagandized. I know some of it is propaganda. I'm sure there's other stuff that I still haven't come around to that is propaganda. I have a bias. I like to challenge my own bias on this show and doing research for the show. So I admit I have a bias. I also would like to have my bias challenged so that my bias is more in line with a happy and harmonious world versus some divisive crap. Mm. Are you saying that there's universal truth? Mm, I don't know mm. if there I don't know. I don't know if there's a universal truth. I think there's always the ability to refine your perceptions and understanding of the world. Mm-hmm. We get uh, this is this is what happens with cults is you have a we have the one and only way and everybody else is going to hell in some form or another. Right. I think that's that's kind of a problem. Yeah. Well, it's divisive and a house divided against itself is that thing will not stand. Um, and it's also full of hubris, which is a, such a good word for like really complex and justifiable pride. I made a comment. It's not on just a, pride. It's like a, you really truly believe. That's the way I was when I was evangelical. You really believe that the universe is the way that you think it is, and it, it informs is. every decision. Well, because you, yes, yes. You have no reason not to believe. This is very similar to a conversation I've been having with a friend slash frenemy of the show, Denise Robb, mm. um, this week on Facebook. You she guys is. Can, she's very involved in the discussion, involved, and, and I really appreciate being involved in the discussion. Yeah. And she'll share sources and I'll share sources and we'll try to understand each other. Um, one of the issues that I keep coming up against with my friend friend Denise is that um, I feel as though she doesn't know she's been lied to. And then I'm like, well, duh, that's what a lie is. You don't know it's a lie. I didn't know that the things I was told about the basic nature of humanity and um, sexuality and all these other things were spirituality, lies. Spirituality, that, yeah. the universe, evolution, Everything, Noah's Ark. All like, of life. I didn't know that they were lies until other people came in and pointed things out to me. Hey, you might want to look under that rock over there. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Deb says things like, Ivermectin is a horse medication. Yeah, not Deb. Sorry, Denise. Denise. Denise says things like ivermectin is a horse medication and it doesn't save people's lives from COVID. Right. And I, t- I'm like, okay, she's been lied to and she doesn't know that she's been lied to. Yeah. Cause we can prove that that's a lie. That's very provable. A, a, a misinformation combined with a lie. Yeah. Well, yeah. Merck has lied. 
mainstream media has lied. Um, the difference between misinformation and disinformation. Misinformation is when someone is telling you what they think is true, but it's false. Disinformation is when someone is deliberately telling you something that is false that they know is false. Is that right? Yes, yeah. right, right. And that's, yes. that's what the politicians and mainstream news and any doctor that you've ever heard say that ivermectin is horse pace or stupid They're a is part lying of, to you. It's a part of, a, of an orchestrated lie. An entire state in India that has like 235 million people in Uttar it. Uttar Pradesh. Completely eradicated COVID cases with ivermectin and a variety of other over-the-counter, easily obtainable, inexpensive medications that already exist. That's not... Fake news. It's not conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. It really happened. And so those are the sorts of things I try and share with friends like Denise to be like, hey, if you're if you're able, it's very difficult, but if you're able to consider that you've been lied to, which is very scary, it's primarily very scary. To, it makes you feel really unsafe. But if you're able to consider it, take a look at this data that shows that what you believe is reality is not reality. It's not horse paste. It's a human medication that is also used for animals. And it's saving lives. Uh, I think part of it is if you share information and it doesn't have the big red, white, and blue branding of the big networks, it's, it, it's not real news. Just like whenever I was in Hawaii, I had an organic farm. And we had neighbors who were very wealthy, um, and they owned the land, right? So we, would, we rented for them. So we would create a produce box, from the farm. Oh, nice. And say, here's food off of your land. And they wouldn't eat it because it wasn't packaged. What do you mean? It's like, kind of a little too natural. Like what kind like, of food? Uh, like lettuce, greens. So we had a bag of greens or whatever. If it didn't have a sticker or a brand on it, it was suspect. Oh, so they had been like trained. They were too close to the farm. They knew where it came from. They came from the dirt. The stuff from the store comes from a shelf. <laughs> they weren't thinking and those things And it's cool and green. No, they weren't thinking no. that. But I've seen that happen a lot with organic farmers is that they provide stuff. And maybe it doesn't look exactly like the stuff in the store because right. it's not all amped up. Well, I think. And then people look at it like that's suspect. So well, that's it's like imprinting. Our, our news has been so glossed. Right. And so glamorous that if you don't have the hairspray and a waving flag behind you, uh, then then it's not real news. You're just conditioned. They all have the same accent. They all talk in the same way. They all came out of like the same school in Denver where they train mainstream media to all have the same voice. It's a real thing. And so it gives it, that's the cult-like preacher, the priesthood thing. You have to have a suit. You have to talk in the same accent. The same tones all over the country. Television version of mid-Atlantic accent. Even though people all over the country talk a lot differently. They do it in Biloxi. They do it in New York. They do it in Florida. And they all have the same accent. That's the unification of like the overlords. Right. Anyway, so that's a problem. And so when you share information that doesn't have Coke ads all over it, it's probably not real information. Mark French uh, agrees because of the corporate nature of politics on a national and state level. Oh, the corporate capture of politics. Uh, yeah. Um, po- be- okay, I'm going to try to say it again. Time. Because of corporate capture, politics on a national and state level has been irrelevant for nearly 40 years. Yeah. Paul Niehaus says it's not up for debate whether the news is fake or not. The only question now is for how long it's been so. 
It really burned me whenever Donald Trump said fake news, because now if you criticize the veracity of a broken media uh, ecology, uh, people automatically think you're a Trump supporter. Which is unfortunate and dogmatic. That Which it, it doesn't left, matter if you support yeah. Trump or not. The fact that if you bring up, this is the problem with the word woke. When the word woke came out, it was about people who were like, had taken had woken the, up. the red pill and saw behind the matrix and realized that the media was lying to us and our government was not actually representative. And that was woke. Yeah. And then it morphed into dogmatic this wokeism. fascist <laughs> political <Wokeism>. correctness. <laughs> So that's the problem with saying fake news is it whether you like Trump or not, if we want to actually have a communication amongst our society across our little tribes, Mm -hmm. if we're going to get together, because that's the only way we're going to solve any of our problems. We actually have to like talk across these lines. So if you use a phrase that that totally turns an entire group of people away from your ear or your uh, away from your words, Mm -hmm. then. Uh, that shows how divisive, how how effective the divisiveness is. And it also shows how hard it is to actually have a conversation. So we have to, I, like, so I'm not criticizing Paul Niehaus for saying fake news. But just by calling it fake news, you create divide oh, well, that has been prescribed. My first thought was fake news. Um, that's, I think, <laughs> what do you say? The news is fake. So... I think there's news that lies and news that doesn't lie. Right. And, and I like that. Like for me, it, fake news has become like a trope, like a, like a, it's become its own story. It's become its fake news has become a fable. Mm. Um, just like black lives matter has become an entity. Right. Of course, black lives matter. But as soon as you say black lives matter, you're going to have people be like, but what about the other lives? What about the Indian lives? So yeah. the, the trope and the fable of black lives matter has become a concept that derails the conversation, just like fake news has become a concept that derails the conversation because there absolutely is news that's reliable. Not all there news is. is fake. Right. And the mainstream news says the right thing sometimes. Correct things, truthful things. The problem is, I mean, like the concept of fake news is this this desire to let people know, like try to uh, um, awaken people to the idea that they're being lied to. That the information has a bias of nothing else. But then it becomes its own concept over here that because it's associated with someone that leftists don't like, they have to it's just a right wing concept. They have to fight that concept rather than just the basic data that sometimes your news is lying to you. That's why I'm becoming increasingly fond of the term media, um, media ecology. Mm, mm, mm. I have a metaphorical brain. I used to run a nursery in Hawaii and then on an acre and a half, you have an ecology. You have certain plants, certain bugs, you move things around, you change the ecology, certain bugs go away, certain creatures come in, right? It's an ecology and there's lots of living stuff. And so when we're talking about media ecology and we're talking about fake news, you have to look at news, the, new, the, the media ecology is like a landscape. It's and a there's, lot of factors. You, you, can't, you, you can't just pick any green and have it be nutritious. Oh, right. Right? You just can't, oh, it's a, this is it's in the thing, so I will eat plants, yeah, right? This is what we're doing. bad for you. This is what we're doing with our news. Right. They're like, it says news and it has the wavy flag behind them in red, white, and blue. So therefore, 
even if you're critical of it, this is the thing that got me for years. I was like watching the news going, oh, that's so bullshit. Uh, I, I can see behind their lies, blah, blah, blah. But that I'm just filling my head up with that bullshit because the, it was the fable. You're because it was available. Because it was available. Yeah. So even if I'm in resistance to the particular bullshit, I've succumbed to an orientation yeah. that is a part of a divide, divisive and binary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a, my so, so, soliloquy. Paul says it'd be better to substitute um, corporate news or legacy media is fake news. Legacy media. Yeah. These people yeah. that have been bought and paid for long, 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 long time ago to say what the overlords want you to say. And I know overlords is a cheesy word, but it's just a catch-all, okay? But it's true. Almost have... all the news, the legacy media, is owned by the same few parent companies. Yes. And they choose, Paul says, the news doesn't just report facts anymore. They cherry-picked to create a narrative. And I believe that they cherry pick according to the will of their donors. See Operation Mockingbird. What's Operation Mockingbird? Operation Mockingbird is, we talked about that in one of the, in our course study in the last couple of weeks. Uh, it was uh, Operation Paperclip brought in the Nazis after World War II. Right. Opera- Why waste quality scientists? Yes. Because they were killing people. Super intense. Uh, so then... After the Nazis were imported through Operation Paperclip, uh, the OSS became the CIA, and then we had a secret. What, what do they call? What do they call this? The, what's the the, the our, deep state? We have the deep state, we which had our secret police is not running on anybody. We has no accountability to the people, right? No. So then you have the secret the secret organization, the spy agency of the CIA. CIA then planted through Operation Mockingbird. Um, planted CIA uh, plants in all media avenues, radio, So print, this, is, this is a movies. real thing that happened yeah. that we have documents about that we know that they did that. You can look up Operation Mockingbird and get the deets. Um, but that, so basically uh, you would, as a CIA agent, I, I would be a source for, let's say, a newspaper reporter and I give them good information, and I get them ahead of the game, right? Right. And then I give them a literal bullshit story. You know, you do three good ones and one bullshit. Right. And that's how Operation Mockingbird worked. So it's a way of making people doubt things that they hear because they know part of it's not true, so right. maybe the rest of it's not true. It's almost like a mathematical formula to shape, uh, manufacture consensus among people. Mm. So, you know, our consensus has been manufactured to... Repeat the phrase safe and effective, even though that has been debunked months ago. Right. But people will still say they're safe and effective, even though it's not true. Well, and they'll say it's safe and effective, even while they're admitting that it doesn't prevent transmission and it doesn't keep you out of the hospital and it can give you side effects. They'll still yes. say, but it is safe and effective. I'm like, no, no, no. Words, <laughs> words need to mean something. We're, you, it, can, you can say, you can say, you, you know, you need to put it on television just like you put Viagra on television. And you need to say, okay, Viagra may help you get a better erection, and it may also give you a heart attack, and you have a right to know. Right. And these COVID shots don't have that. may prevent you from getting severe versions of the illness. They may keep you from transmitting it to a, a loved one at risk. And they may also give you a heart attack and scabies, not scabies, Yes, yeah, scabies. What's the thing? Shingles. Shingles and autoimmune and Guillain-Barre <laughs> and 
um, bloating and amputations, like they, then you have a right to know that. Right. You, if this was a medication that was on television, they would be required. Be this long list of where the guy, the Some lawyer, talks really super, fast, super, super, super yeah. fast, right? Yeah. yeah. While they show like pretty pictures of people frolicking in parties because they've got yeah. this medication now, so they can have a better life than you. Yeah, yoga pants. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't get that. You just get told it's safe and effective over and over and over again, even though. Those words do not apply to this medication. So I'm interested in the idea of a propaganda this week. I of have a making thing. a propaganda. No, of the the idea of like propaganda. Like people don't like to think they can be propagandized. A lot of people don't like to think that someone has pulled something over on them and get, oh, given yeah. them a false narrative. You're talking about brainwashing. Nobody likes to think that they've been and lied to. Brainwashed, right. that means brainwashing. Because <laughs> that means I'm weak and dumb because I got fooled, I got conned. And it means you know. I wasn't safe before. It means you weren't safe. You were not in reality, yeah. right? This is the apocalyptic realization when you realize that you were in a cult. Right. And you're like, I believe that bullshit, and it's totally not true. And the signs were around forever, and I didn't pay attention. That's the... You know, the heart ache that comes from that. And so, then sometimes when you get scared, you fight. You want to fight the thing that presented the scary thing to you, yes. even though it's medicine that you need to heal your perceptions or whatever. So I'd like you to open up the document, the show do- document. Very, very good, very good, very good. And the first thing in there, so I made a post today. Um, it was a meme. You should call it a meme, quote meme. And it has a picture of uh, Joseph Goebbels. And who is Joseph Goebbels? Famous Nazi. Um, (laughs) He was the propaganda guy for the Third Reich. Uh, And there's a quote from him that I shared, and it says, Propaganda works best when those who are being manipulated are confident that they are acting on their own free will. So I shared shared that. So let's just talk about that quote. Yeah. This is the part where um, the leftists can't think about ivermectin because... Trump said it. Because Trump said it. And no, that was hydrochloroquine. Now we're going to get censored off YouTube. He's bad. Hydroxychloroquine. Hi, hydroxy. I said it that way so we don't get banned from YouTube. <laughs> so Trump's bad, quote unquote. Therefore, the things that he said are says are dangerous and wrong. Now, lots of people make are like, well, a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> but also, sometimes it's not an accident. Not not, I'm sorry for those of you that were raised on the Disney movies where the villain was just a bad guy wearing black who was ridiculous. Right. But nobody is fully bad and nobody is fully good and nobody is fully right and nobody is fully wrong. Mm. And so sometime, <laughs> sometimes someone that you dislike, even a very evil person or a manipulative person or a rude person is going to say things that are actually accurate because they know that they're mm. saying something that's accurate. Not even just accidentally, like a broken clock right twice a day. Right. So this Nazi dude, what we know Gables. about him from history yeah. is that he was bad. Uh well he was he was he engineered the consent where good citizens of Germany decided to otherize another segment of Germany. Okay, so um Mark French says Edward Bernays is our version of Goebbels. Right. Bernays said uh, well, propaganda was a word and governments had propaganda. It was just a known thing. But then he's the guy that gave propaganda a bad name. Right. They used so, propaganda in order to manipulate people to 
kill other people to, or to well, think it was great for them to die or to keep them from rioting in the streets right or you know to keep them from being discontent during an economic downturn there's propaganda to manage the herd right but goebbels you goebbels goebbels, goebbels. goebbels used it in goebbels. a shut up in used a, it in a in a in a bad way well he was Doing the will of the boss. And then Edward The boss Bernays. says, we need this accomplishment, yeah. and he spins out some yarns, and people are like, Jews are spreading typhus, you know? Yeah. So we have to not talk to them anymore. And then when you don't talk to them for a You don't anymore, know them anymore. You get to invent who they are. And then when you don't know them and you don't understand them, it's very easy to become afraid of them. Oh, yeah. So, that, that sound familiar? Um, so, anyway, Goebbels said something that is true. You want to read it again? Uh, yeah, um, I was. I wanted to finish. Uh, Edward Bernays decided that propaganda had a bad rap, so he changed it to public relations. If you've ever heard the term public relations, that is your propaganda. Just so you know, you read the thing again. Propaganda works best when those who are being manipulated are confident that they are acting on their own free will. Right. So I, the minute you find out that you're being brainwashed, you start being suspicious. And then you don't follow the plan very well. Right. You, you become un, unrulable. <sighs> so then, uh, so I posted that as a comment on a thread and controversial thread. And then this happened. Uh, my post goes against our community standards on dangerous individuals and organizations. Joseph Goebbels. Goebbels. It's dangerous. Yeah. No one else can see your post. We have these standards to prevent and disrupt offline harm. Off disrupt. We offline have these harm. standards to prevent and disrupt offline harm. What does that mean? That means Facebook decides what people can talk about on Facebook in order to control what happens when you're not on Facebook. Oh, like some propaganda. It sounds like propaganda. Huh. Um, repeatedly, so I've already got the 90 day, fuck you, you're at the bottom of the thread. Yeah. I'm in the 90 days. They're suppressing you for at least 90 days. For at least 90 days where, um, people have to go find my page if you want to see what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, and then, so now they're threatening me again. Uh, it says, if you think we've made a mistake, you can disagree with the decision. Go to the next page, the next little part. Stonefruit Media shared a quote from Goebbels. Hey, Stonefruit. You know Stonefruit Media? Yeah, that's our friend. Don't say who it is. I won't. Because they're using that name for a reason. Yeah. When I hear the word culture, I reach for my pistol, (laughs) says Goebbels. (laughs) What were we talking about last week with Tony? Art is the enemy of the state. Art is the enemy of the state. (laughs) Because it's a free expression of a true human experience that other people can connect with outside of a propagandized experience. Art done correctly plays the role of the kid in The Emperor Wears No Clothes. You Suddenly, dis- the bullshit becomes unsustainable. Right. So you disagreed with Facebook's decision. I disagreed decision. with their decision. And Let me they, say what yeah. Facebook said. Yeah. We usually offer the chance to review a request, to request a review and follow up if we got decisions wrong. We have fewer reviewers available right now because of the coronavirus, COVID-19. Just yeah. in case this specific, heard of it. Yeah. This specific coronavirus. That, that specific one. <laughs> outbreak. We're trying hard to prioritize reviewing content with the most potential for harm. This means that we may not be able to follow up with you, though your feedback helps us do better in the future. Thanks for understanding. I don't fully. I mean, I understand. I guess I understand Facebook. Well, you're understanding. Meta. You're under. Your, thanks for your understanding. Is saying thank you for not actually being able to do anything about 
That's what exactly. that means. So and I went, now there's another page. like saying, I'm so sorry, boss, I can't come into work today. I woke up sick. Thank you for your understanding is basically a nice way of saying, and suck it, because yep. you can't do anything about it. That's right. So I have uh, gone to another page, and I'm I'm addressing it. And what is my address? So I this was on a thread that I did on my Facebook page, which nobody will see because it's been it's been spanked <laughs> into oblivion. Um, but there's a... a, a Holocaust Remembrance Day was like the day before or two days ago. Right. Um, and people are like, you can't compare. You can't compare. Anybody who compares anything to what happened at the Holocaust is insensitive and, and trivializing anti-Semitic. and anti-Semitic and unrealistic because you know that could never happen again. Because we're too smart for that to happen That's again. what happened in the past whenever there was propaganda. We have public relations now. <laughs> We're so all much, the problems are solved. We're so much more smart than all of the citizens of Europe that got manipulated into thinking that Jews were dirty and should be ostracized and then maybe taken away to camps and then I don't know. They carry if, disease. If they don't comply, we'll kill them. That's what your friends are saying. That's what on your Facebook. friends are saying. Yeah. Uh, so my response to somebody who thought that I was being insensitive or hyperbolic or even being able to make any kind of comparison like Robert, was it Robert Malone who did it at the the Freedom Rally, whatever, in Washington? So the point that I want to make about this censorship thing is that it's not the censors that really cause the problem. It's the people who have been propagandized that are the engine. So it's not the propagandists that you have to deal with all the time or that are going to cause the biggest problem. It is the propagandized that are now like, it's like a zombie apocalypse. People who go into that suddenly otherize you for having a different opinion because they managed a way to seal these people into an identity as a pro-vaxxer or an anti-vaxxer, either one, it doesn't matter. If you can't talk to the other and you've otherized the other person, then now it's it's an engineered divide that is um, really destructive, and it's us doing it to ourselves. So anyway, the, the Nuremberg thing. So I think it's important to remember the Holocaust and things like the Holocaust. It's important to remember that. I think it is more important to learn and remember what led to the Holocaust. This is how you keep it from happening again, yeah. is recognizing patterns of behavior. It didn't start, It did, the Holocaust did not, and now I need to go and do more research myself, because mm. I know I've probably got a bit of a revisionist and whitewashed oh, version of the Holocaust in my head. Right. But if I'm going to be talking about it, I want to absolutely make sure that I go and research and have a respectful understanding of what people experience. You can't research. Well... I, Only people in lab coats can research. My experience of the Holocaust was basically just reading Corey Ten Boom's A Hiding Place over and over again because it was this <sighs> massively, massively upheld piece of Christian literature about mm. her and her family's experience hiding in a closet, being in a concentration camp, mm. forgiving the Nazis, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, it, was a, it was a true story. Um, I would like to hear about the events leading up to the Holocaust because the Holocaust did not start with Jews getting in trains to go away to a camp to be burned. No, you can start somewhere with the economy. Yeah. Somewhere, just look at what the economy was, what was going on with the, huh. eco- with the economy uh, just before. Weird. See what, see what was going on there. Um, but then the propaganda, I mean, you have Goebbels... Propaganda, you can read what he was doing, and then you can see how the population reacted. And if you 
can extrapolate that to current times, you can look at what has been public relations from the government and pharmaceutical companies and the media. You can look at those public relations tropes. And then when you have cognitive dissonance and you're like, that seems to be wrong, and you either just decide to be in the cult or to start trying to understand how it could be so wrong. Uh, Mark French says it's literally always economics and resource control every single time. Yeah, that's right. And Paul Niehaus brings up yet again this thing that scientists have agreed doesn't ever happen and has never happened, mass formation psychosis. Oh, yeah, it doesn't happen. Experts agree that brainwashing doesn't happen. I, uh, Denise, Denise, friend of the show, friend, 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 friend of me of the show. Yeah, we're not sure. Uh, she sent me an article that I said we would just dissect live on the air about science versus Joe Rogan. All right, all right. Hey, we got a few new people tuning in today on Twitch. Ninatella, right. Mogul Mail, and Caxips06. Caxix06 has been here before but has not responded to my friend request. Oh, my God. Uh, Thanks for coming in. Follow Thanks. me, friend me, like me on YouTube. Make sure you hit the little alert buttons on YouTube and Facebook. Yeah, make, cetera, a, make an angry face. Yeah. Um, All right. Um, Deb says, as long as we are n- not covered... <laughs> We the people keep paying to watch the shark get the guy. As long as we are not covered in blood, we do the other things. Uh-huh. All right, so you wanted to talk about Joe Rogan? Well, you wanted to talk about Joe Rogan. I do. I do. So so it's really about Neil Young and a few other artists. So Neil Young recently announced that he's removing almost his entire catalog from Spotify in protest of Joe Rogan's catalog being on Spotify. And Spotify has maintained over and over and over again that they're not going to censor him. However, insert interesting sidebar, it was in Joe Rogan's agreement with Spotify that they were going to take down certain episodes. Now, they have not taken down any of his COVID-19 episodes, but they did take down an episode speaking about trans issues and trans health Mm. and what people think about that conversation. And they took down an episode that had some racist not racist racial conversations mm. um but they haven't taken down any of his covid-19 interviews which right. i think is very interesting um so they've taken down about like there are like 42 and he does like three episodes a week so there are about 42 of his episodes that aren't on spotify and many many more that aren't on youtube of course but um neil young is taking his entire catalog off of spotify interesting factoid Neil Young's catalog brings in about 6 million viewers to Spotify or listeners every month. Joe Rogan brings in 11 million viewers, listeners, every episode. And he does three to four episodes a week. So, right. So everybody's like, Spotify lost $4 billion in market interest <laughs> over the because of and I, Neil Young leaving. And I'm like, they're going to be fine. For one thing, your market stocks are just fake numbers in the cloud that affect your donors. Um, for another thing, Joe Rogan's going to recoup that for them real fast. Yeah. Now, there is a secret part of the controversy that I haven't researched yet. Not a secret part, but a very inner part, which is mm. that is it is Spotify being completely equitable with how they treat their, their people that have stuff on their platform? So right. Spotify paid Joe Rogan about $100 million 
to broadcast on their platform and nowhere else. Because he gets people to sign up for that platform. Right. So they paid him, specifically brought him in to bring people to Spotify and paid him to not be on any other podcast platform. Paid him to do what he's doing. Yes. They said, you're doing that thing. We want you to only do it on Spotify, which right. is very interesting. Um, and then other people are saying that's not fair because Spotify doesn't pay its other artists. I don't know what that means. That I, means uh, you're getting like a dollar sixty-eight check every three years or something. So for Taylor most Swift was not paid to put her catalog exclusively on Spotify. However, she does make money a little bit every time someone plays one of her songs. And or if you're a like big that. star like that, that can have an impact. If you're somebody if you're, else, yeah, just you know, a rando. Yeah. So um, I think that's interesting. Um, and is it equitable and should Spotify be allowed to do that thing? But the thing is, is that people like Neil Young and a couple of other less star stars are following suit and pulling their catalogs off Spotify. Um, Brene Brown, who's a mm. psycho-emotional therapist and self-help writer that I really have gotten a lot of value from. She talks a lot about the concepts of vulnerability and shame yeah. and how we cannot have community and evolution without vulnerability. And she has recently told her followers that she will not be making any more podcasts until she finds a way to move herself off of Spotify. Oh, yeah. And they're all saying that they're doing that because Spotify is allowing Joe Rogan to share misinformation about COVID-19. But what is the misinformation he's sharing? Kicker, what has he shared on his show that is a lie? Yeah, I haven't seen... So there is an NPR article, if you want to pull that up. Yeah, in your thing? No, I have this other article, which I think maybe you can read it in your NPR voice because you know how much I like that. Mm, yeah, Johnny Mitchell. Johnny Mitchell pulled her catalog. Joni. Not Joni? Not Joni. Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell um, pulled her catalog. Uh, Paul Neos says, and he is a musician, so he has some insight. Nobody forces artists to put their music on Spotify. It's their choice. Right. To use that platform. Um, well, the the other thing is is that uh, that that Neil Young sold his music to a subsidiary of Blackstone, which is one of these big monster <laughs> investment groups. So he doesn't really own his library. Um, the subsidiary of Blackstone is like, the well, Rockefellers this is stuff. This is music that's going to last forever. You know, it's just a ROI, return on investment. They paid, I think. One estimate, and I I cannot confirm this, was fifty million dollars. He got fifty million dollars for his library, over a thousand songs. You know, the guy's prolific. Um, and then Blackstone is he basically sold it to a a a company where the majority stakeholder is Blackstone. So they're controlling Blackstone is controlling Neil Young's music. I don't know how it wasn't his music to take down. I don't think is how it works. Yeah, was he able to do that or insist that And apparently they do that? his handlers were like, we're just going to have to roll with this because it's too complicated. Because uh, maybe the pressure that would come on when people realize that he doesn't own his music. Right. I mean, it almost like pops that bubble illusion. Oh, yeah. That no, you have these cynical Wall Street people that now own Neil Young's protest music. Darren Anthony yeah. uh, in the UK says, you can't make it up that Neil Young has a song, Keep on Rocking in the Free World. And he sold it to... His music to Blackstone, which is a part of the subprime mortgage they are crisis, part of the overlords. predatory That's overlords. Part of the overlords. He sold it to the he sold it to them, <laughs> and then he's like, "These guys over here, this guy over here, saying stuff I don't agree with because I'm old and I might get COVID." So funny. 
it was really, it was kind of shocking, but not that shocking because you can find other quotes of him like in the 80s, you know, being super anti-gay. Well, this goes into our very interesting- He floats around from being Republican to- Yeah. It floats around, it's, it's, plays into this very interesting concept of what do the words liberal and conservative mean? Mm. Not the political affiliation and not the people that align with that political affiliation, but what does liberal and conservative mean? Now, a cons- there's this phrase that goes around that says, oh, yeah, you're going to be a liberal in your youth, but as you get older, you're going to get more and more conservative. And right, when people right. say that, they're saying, as you get older, you're going to be thinking less about humanity at large and more about taking care of yourself and your family. You're going to be thinking less about letting people take your stuff to take care of people and more about hoarding your stuff to take care of yourself and your family. Mm. You become more, as you get older, stereotypically, if you're not focused on fighting against this natural evolution, you will become more of a hoarder, more focused on taking mm. care of yourself, more focused on safety and security. And when you're focused on safety and security, you're not going to be going to protests, those sorts of things. So, but I think it's very interesting because what we're seeing is a lot of um, young and middle-aged blue voters mm. becoming very conservative in the term, in the meaning of the term of protective, self-focused, um, desirous of security. Liberals even, usually don't like to censor stuff. Even as they say that they're becoming extremely protective and security-based for other people's benefits. That's mm-hmm. the mind fuck. So yep. I think it's interesting that I guess Neil Young used to be a protest artist, but now he's getting, quote-unquote, more conservative as he ages, not in the political alignment, but in the um, personally focused and personally security protective even as he's saying something that people view on the outside as him fighting for the well-being of others. People in his age group were going to identify with him because they were imprinted with him. They were getting laid to his music. That has a kind of an imprint. I, I have several. Um, I like his music. I, I, I like him as an artist. Come several on. middle-aged uh, right-wing friends who are like, well, time to take Neil Young out of all of our playlists. No, I love his music. I think this is unfortunate. It's just an unfortunate, this is like, I think that's really funny because of all of my Republican friends that were laughing at the leftists for canceling Dr. Seuss. Right. They're like, separate the artist from the art, man. And now you're going to take Neil Young out of your playlist. Yeah. That's Um, that's a prescribed distraction. Wow. It's so beautiful. So crazy. (laughs) I have to take a note. Yeah. Take a note. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's catch up on some comments. Okay. Paul Neo says conservative. Here's his proposition for Mm. definition of conservative. Weary of change, clear borders and categories, emphasis on personal responsibility. Okay. Interesting. So I, I, there's a, I got to find this. I don't know where it went in some bookmark and I don't know if I'll ever see it again, or it's open in my tabs on my phone, which is like a thousand tabs right now. So, (laughs) but the, the general idea was that in times of, um, like people who are considered liberals tend to be the ones who shape culture. They shape, this has been the traditional role, is they shape culture in times of change. And then conservatives are the ones that preserve the culture that has been shaped by the left. Once it has become endemic and accepted, then the right defends defends the culture that was created by the left. And then the it has to fall apart again. And then actual liberal minded people who can think out of public relations mindsets 
then get to shape the new culture. And this is what I want to focus a lot, sidebar, on this entire season, is the idea of being able to, um, rather than taking the one-size-fits-all World Economic Forum stamp of what the new culture is going to be, we should be making our own right now. We should be talking to each other and making our own culture. We should be creating that. I made a post on Facebook yesterday uh, please show me on the doll where Joe Rogan has lied about something <laughs> related to SARS-CoV-2. I'm ready. Let's discuss. Yeah. And I haven't, you know, like my re- people's reactions to my posts on Facebook are not a good metric for an actual evaluation of what people think because uh, Facebook decides who gets to see your stuff. Right. You don't get to decide. You, like, it's you a curated can, bubble. Yeah. You can't say, oh, I had five yays and three nays. And so, so that's, that's a majority. Yeah. No, the fa- it's all contrived. Um, Let's see. Frank Pascal. Yes. Who composed the music yeah. for our intros and outros on this show. He says, so many people posting about Joe Rogan, I can tell, have never listened to him past a 10-minute YouTube clip. Yep. It's so crazy to me how easily people are influenced into thinking he's some kind of anti-vax conspiracy theorist when he's actually pretty object- objective, unless he's sitting with another comedian. But people are too stupid to discern the difference mm. and think he's being serious 100% of the time. It's a part of the public relations conditioning. Like he, they only show clips of him being angry or divisive. I think you out can, of context. You can add into this that he is more popular than any CNN program, MSNBC program, Fox News. He's more mm-hmm. popular than any of those programs. Yeah, and he's prolific, and he's taking away audience share, in a real in a real way. Right. Um. And so he's those. People who are being harmed financially, fiscally by his popularity are the ones that are pushing this narrative that he's an anti-vaxxer because it was just article after article about because Neil Young said he was spreading anti-vax Montana Standard or hometown newspaper. Everybody said because Joe Rogan was spreading misinformation. So they just now Neil Young is the investigative journalist here who has made this assertion, Mm -hmm. nothing to back it up. And then mainstream media all went and called Joe Rogan an anti-vaxxer because he's hurting them in where it counts most, which is in the fucking pocketbook. (laughs) (laughs) When, um, uh, so I, I need to get to the, I need to see the Harry Potter 20 year anniversary special. Mm. And in order to be able to talk about it online, I need to get to the root of whatever the heck, J.K. Rowling said about <laughs> trans people. Oh, boy. Because I have a lot of friends who grew up on the religion of Harry Potter and have completely ripped it out of their lives like a tumor without anesthesia. Wow. Because of, because of J.K. Rowling saying something about trans people. Right. Now, similar to this Neil Young thing, people just share around that she is a TERF, which is a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Okay. So a feminist that's very pro-women, except those fake women that were born with dicks. So that's the... That's a TERF. That's the telos of that... Right. ...tribe. The tribe. The the anti-JK Rowling tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Is that she is a TERF. And so they share around that she is a TERF, but I have not been able to find what she said. It could have been deleted off of Twitter. Uh, I think it had something to do with like, come on, biology is biology. But the point of the story is that somewhere out there is what she actually said in a video interview or a screenshot on a blog or a Flickr page that's saved. Like it's somewhere out there. And I went through 
a trail of probably 45 articles Wow! the other week. Just anytime the article got to the place where... What she said. Now, J.K. Rowling said controversial things about trans uh. people, and it had a little blue underline underneath it. Click on which that. Which gives you this primal intellectual imprint impression that that is going to lead you to the thing she said. A source. So sometimes people see that little blue line, and they don't even click on it. They just assume that because there's a little clickable link underneath the claim. It should be that, a footnote. That that means yeah. the claim is leading to the source of the information. And I clicked that moment in like 45 articles, and I never found they just kept leading around to each other. Like circle jerk. It wasn't, it never even made it back to the original article. That's awesome. 45 news sources, blogs. Yeah. I find that with the ivermectin thing. If you go down that road, they just start or or the Joe Rogan misinformation is just other people saying misinformation, but no actual, like let's have the debate. Right. I want to know what she's now. I've seen videos of, um, Friends in the industry who say I'm still going to be her friend and people in the industry who say I'm canceling J.K. Rowling. But I have not been able to find even a quote from a person quoting the thing that she said. I think it's all a conspiracy by the male billionaires that don't like girls in the boys' house. Girl billionaires? Yeah, fuck her. <laughs> so let's just get all the news, you know, pull a Ra- William Randolph Hearst like they did with marijuana right. and just demon demonize her. I'm cast sure. Her out. I'm sure that she said something. Yeah, she said something. Yeah, it's akin to what got Brett Weinstein and Weinstein and all these other right. people canned yeah. is because they're like, well, let's look at the data and like that's not in line with the current political correctness. So you were canceled. It's not in line. The data does not line up with the dogma. The data doesn't line up with the dogma. That's exactly that's and a great. So quote. my dogma is going to bite you. Should, should we make a bumper sticker out of that? I put it in my notes. Right okay. <laughs> Um, That's a good one. Stone Fruit Media, CNN Headline News, 1 million viewers. Joe Rogan episode, 11 million viewers. See? (laughs) Spotify is going to be fine. They're going to be fine. (laughs) Mark French, I have not heard Joe Rogan speak on COVID, but I have probably spent 200 hours or so listening to him. So while he has some naive concepts of economic ideology, I find him to be fair, open-minded, and informed. Stone Fruit Media... Rogan's interviews with COVID heretics, doctors Malone and McCullough were great. Yeah. Uh, COVID heretic. Yeah. I love that. What? The word, the term COVID heretic. Yeah. Like a Christian heretic. Right, right, right. Yeah. COVID heretic. What was the other one? We came, a cognitive grooming. Cognitive was, grooming. Oh, yeah. Yes. Ooh, la, la. That's what happens with the, right now. with the public relations. COVID heretic. Um, yeah, I think getting meta on the Joe Rogan story. I think there's the idea that Joe Rogan is a real dude who smokes pot and is a comedian who has conversations with people that he finds interesting. That's the premise of the show. Hey, I'm a guy who actually starts is talking to some of the most interesting people in our culture and having three, four-hour-long conversations with them. I get to benefit from him doing that. I don't like his questions. I might agree with. I might not agree with. I think he's an actually pretty brilliant interviewer. I have a lot to learn from him from his interview style. Alone. Absolutely. Gosh, his style is great and it's unassuming. He doesn't come across as a guy with an ego. He's not there to have the interviewee pay attention to him. Mm. He has a very good tack of constantly bringing the focus back to. He's he's just when he has a guest in, he's just facilitating that guest. He's an inquisitive person. Awesome. And you can see him being inquisitive with a mind in front of him. You don't have to agree with that mind, 
100% or disagree 100%. That could just be somebody who's, it's like any kind of mastery. If you spend the time to get to the point where you're somebody who you're on the Joe Rogan show, you've probably done some things hmm. that maybe I can get some benefit from. Yeah. Like understanding what that person is in the world. I don't have to agree with all of it. And that's where we've gone. And I think Joe Rogan represents like that sort of like brown, fuzzy animal versus the cyborg news people because they have this premise of infallibility and we don't have a bias, which is completely untrue. It's a fucking lie. But the premise is we don't have bias. We are relating the news. And he doesn't do that. He's just having long-form conversations with people. So I think that's the big difference is people are like, we actually want to have long-form conversations. And everybody's like, no, you got to do the five-minute clickbait, blah, blah, blah. And all the news went down that road. And everybody just left them and went over to have somebody actually talk about what's going on in the world. What the fuck is going on right now? Not don't tell me what's going on. Let's together inquire about what the fuck is going on. I think it's that's why he's popular. So my frenemy, Dave Hutchins, um, he got the first PhD from Montana Tech here in town. And he keeps, he's unfriended Dark recently, um, but he keeps occasionally jumping on something I say on Facebook and having a discussion. And something that my perception, my overall perceptions of the discussions are that he fixates on a particular thing that has been said or a tiny little moment um, and uses the instability of that one particular sentence that wasn't even about whatever the main topic of the discussion was to say that the entire rest of what I'm saying is incorrect. And right. that's my, that's my, been my experience. Um, and so I'll try to like, let's zoom out. What we're doing right now isn't productive. Um, yes. I said in 2020 at one point that Butte was having a spike of COVID cases, possibly because the pollution levels were going up. And he fixated on that and claims that that proves that our show is a disinformation show. Mm. Even though I said, maybe. So we're reading stuff yeah. where this is a claim, and then we're looking at what happened during the shutdown when production went down and traffic went down and PM2 went down and then cases went down. And we're yeah. like, that's a thing to look at. And then they started opening everything back up again, and it started hitting the fall, and right. the trees started dying, and the PM2 levels went up. And, and the vitamin were, D level went down. The PM2 levels went up because of the forest fires. Oh, have, God, yeah. We get massive, like, red level, bright, bright red level um, alerts about PM2 levels in Butte in the summer times because of, and like, so I share multiple articles with him about how, you know, doctors say that pollution levels affect people's susceptibility to illness. And then he just jumps to another thing. And I don't, I don't understand why that happens. And I don't understand why a very intelligent person is critiquing something that is non-harmful and wasn't even a dogmatic claim on my show, but isn't critiquing dogmatic and definitely harmful lies. Safe and effective. From leading health organizations on the planet. Yeah. Such as that vitamin D doesn't help you not get sick. Like... Why are you not mad about that? Why are you coming after me? Vaccines are supposed to be uh, immunizing. Yeah. Not effective, if not immunizing, I would think. Yeah. And since you mentioned uh, f- frenemy of the show, uh, rather than talking about 
we'd like to invite you on the show. You're always welcome to come and have a conversation with us like friends and maybe work out some of these things. Yeah. We don't want to talk it, about you and then not not a, not a dead end for us. So if no. Dave Hutchins hears about this or sees He's been this, on the show. Dave's been on the show before. We'd yeah. love to have him back. Absolutely. I think we would have a more productive conversation in person, in person yeah. than on Facebook. You know, it yeah. just gets bloated. Um, what else do you have in your article today uh, to talk about? What well, we- we're getting close to the top of the hour. We haven't got our guest yet. I know. I, I'm keeping an eye out. I'll oh, get a little thing that pops up when he is ready to join our Zoom call. Oh, you got a thing? Yep. Okay. Okay. So, oh, let's go back to the list then. Uh, we can go to this Joe Rogan a science thing. So if you go, it says science versus Joe Rogan. Okay. A uh, friend, friend, frenemy of the show, Denise Sennett. And I'm like, or I'm just, I want to cover it with you. All right. Let's because do it. this is about science versus a pot smoking comedian. Great. Podcast host. Which is not us saying that. That's how he describes himself. Yeah. Um, it's a podcast. It's a fucking podcast where he interviews people and you can decide and drinks whiskey and smokes pot. You can decide what you think about what they say. And I think maybe that's the most alarming thing is that people are afraid that someone will decide the wrong thing about what Joe Rogan says because Joe Rogan just presents stuff to you. Whereas the news tells you what to think. That was the same thing that resulted in us getting kicked out. We might, (sighs) they didn't, weren't concerned about what we were doing. They were concerned about what other people might do about what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Science versus Joe Rogan. So this is an article sent to the folks. McGill.ca. What is that? I, uh, uh, it's a non McGill University. No, yeah. it's not. Oh. This article that she shared? Yeah. Okay. It's from McGill University. It's another one she sent that was from... Uh, we'll go to that one later. But okay. So, so McGill Office for Science and Society, separating sense from nonsense. So start reading it in your NPR voice. Okay. And, and I'll stop you. Science versus Joe Rogan. In the ongoing match between podcasting giant Joe Rogan and the scientific consensus. Wow. Right there. Let's just stop there. That's already a lie. That's, I, that's why I couldn't read the article any further. <laughs> I'm like, we're just going to have to do this on the show because this, the premise is already horseshit. The scientific community. The scientific consensus. Yeah, this this, was, the, the scientific consensus. Oh, that's a good one. This yeah. is a belief that Denise has that she and I were talking about, um, is that she she truly lives in a reality where there is a consensus about what's going on with COVID, and then there are a few assholes out here who are just shaking their fists at the consensus and causing problems. The institutions work. They're working for our benefit, and there's no reason for me to question them. So when they say, scientists say, that's what scientists say. Even and the problem is they have the money and the resources to um, to present a united front of their story. Where, yeah. Whereas Brett Weinstein and Heather Haying and Chris Martinson and um, that other weird rich guy and <laughs> Dr. Robert Malone and McCullough and Matthias Desmond, all of these people are a bunch of scientists and doctors saying the same thing. But they don't have the funding, the massive oligarchical <coughs> funding, to present a unified front. If it were like an actual football stadium match yeah. that came down to the final two or whatever, <coughs> um, then we would have a fair debate. But it's not. It's these guys on <coughs> billboards everywhere across all of America, and then these guys 
playing whack-a-mole with the establishment. Every time one pops up, the establishment throws money, resources, and yeah. fake news at them to try to shut them down. And so we can never, like, we don't get to have a unified front of the disagreement with the mainstream story. In the information ecology, it's the difference between astroturfing and grassroots. Yeah. <laughs> Mark French says McGill is the Canadian Harvard. So this is a very, thank okay. you for that. This is a very important educational institution. It's dumb. Keep reading. Okay. In NPR voice, though. In the ongoing match between podcasting giant Joe Rogan and the scientific consensus, popularity is a dangerous fixer. Uh, the tags for this article, COVID-19, health and nutrition, and pseudoscience. Pseudoscience. So I'm expecting with those tags that I'm going to find some things in this article that are not true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, someone else might read the title and the tags and be like, oh, that further proves. Right. Because they put the pseudoscience said tag su- on they it. They said pseudoscience. They said pseudoscience. Yeah. Uh, Yardi just said, that's my wife, and I don't know why. What? Chef Boy Yardi said, yeah. that's my wife. Heart, heart, heart. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cognitive grooming. Cognitive grooming was the word oh, that Lacey yes, brought yes, up. That was yes, her invention. Yes. yes. All right. Lots of, t- lots of times... We're drinking or we're high, you know, and I say this stupid shit. Coming from a teenager, this statement may... Oh, my God. Okay. All right. All right. So they're playing They're playing to the judgments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're playing to the judgments of their audience. Purity culture. Okay. Coming from a teenager, this statement may invoke memories of your own adolescence, but carried up by the voice of then 53-year-old Joe Rogan defending his off-the-cuff, on-the-air remarks about COVID vaccines in young adults. It, Off the cuff, he spoke about the biggest story of the day? It reeks of arrested development. Okay. So adults aren't allowed to drink, be high, or say stupid shit. That's one implication of That's this awesome. paragraph. If you, awesome if you premise. are doing the, you as an adult are not allowed to drink, get high, or say stupid shit. You must only ever always say the right thing. Cannot speak off the cuff nope. if on the microphone. Absolutely not. Rogan, whose CV includes the television shows, news radio, and Fear Factor, is by his own description a cage-fighting commentator and a dirty stand-up comedian. But his influence on the health landscape can be felt the most through the Joe Rogan experience, his long-form interview podcast now exclusively available on Spotify thanks to a $100 million deal. (gasps) He's getting paid to be off the cuff and be high. Oh, my God. And that influence is considerable given the scale of Rogan's podcasting platform, which a few numbers can contextualize. Okay. Uh, I don't care. Views, episodes, whatever. Uh, there, there is indirect evidence mm. that his audience has shrunk since moving behind the Spotify wall, but his reach still appears to be immense. Okay. Indirect evidence. We can't have any indirect evidence that the COVID shots are killing children, though. No. No, no, that makes you a conspiracy theorist. Huh. But there's indirect evidence that maybe some people stopped listening to Joe Rogan, so maybe you should too. Is there a blue line? There is a line. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Let's Do you want to go over there? Let's see what the indirect evidence okay. is. <laughs> Joe Rogan, confined to Spotify, is losing influence. August. Confined to Spotify. He- confined <laughs> by $100 million. <laughs> In chains. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, what's the link say? Mm. However, a new data investigation by The Verge finds that the powerful podcaster's influence has waned. 
His show declined as a hype vehicle for guests, and Rogan's presence as a mainstay in the news has plummeted. Where is the data investigation? Oh, no, they just repeat. It's that, it's that circle jerk. We found that prior to going exclusive from December 2019 to December 2020, Rogan's guests could expect to gain around 4,000 Twitter followers in the week after their episode premiered on his show. Mm. After he went exclusive to Spotify, guests only received about 2,000 Twitter likes, <sighs> Twitter followers wow. after being on the Joe Rogan show, suggesting a drop in listeners. To isolate this effect, we focused on people who had under 500,000 followers when going on Joe Rogan's show, since big names like Dave Chappelle or Elon Musk are more likely to bring more attention to Rogan mm. than vice versa. Okay, so they did some indirect evidence, but we definitely can't talk about any indirect evidence that COVID shots are killing children on the basketball court. Well, he also just he transferred platforms. I don't know where he was before. Everywhere. So that, well, of course that it reduced his audience. Yeah. And he got paid to do it. Yeah. He's going to be fine. You know what? I don't think that there's the notion in this that the more people that like you, the better that you are. Yeah. I think actually refining your audience, by the way, thank you for our refined audience. Thank you for audience. being such a refined audience. Yeah. Guys. If, if we were any more popular, we would be banned already from this, from these platforms. Or if we were any more popular, it'd probably be because we weren't saying the good shit. Or maybe right. there, maybe it's like the uncanny valley. Oh yeah. Like or the or the the Dunning Kruger effect. Like if we're not very popular, we can say whatever the fuck we want because right. nobody's worried about us. And then no if influence. we get really popular, we like one million views on CNN or that morning show with all the ladies being catty. Yeah. Then you should be worried because you're being so mainstream that like anybody can watch you and not have a problem. But right. once you hit the massive viewership, like Joe Rogan, that means you're saying the true pure shit, and you're basically like a mega church preacher at that point. Yeah. Like you're a culture hero. You're a hero. Yeah. He's a, I think he's a culture hero. It's easy to see him that way. He, he pioneered the new thing called podcasting. He's like the most popular podcaster guy in the world. Yeah. And what's he doing? Long form conversations about difficult topics that people are concerned about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love the idea in an age where everyone's constantly complaining about our attention spans that there are, 11 million humans on the planet. Now, granted, there are 330 million humans in the U.S. alone and and 8 billion humans on the planet. But of all the adults on the planet, 11 million of them three times a week tune in and listen to three hours of people talking about difficult stuff. Mm-hmm. That means that we haven't lost all of our intelligence yet. Right. Even if you disagree with the stuff they're talking about, it's still difficult. Agreed. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, the Joe Rogan experience often feels like being a fly on the wall in a teenager's basement apartment. Wow, this is ageist. The, par- <laughs> the parents are upstairs watching Carlson, Maddo, or Cooper, oh. and we're downstairs listening in on the private conversations that reveal mind-blowing facts about the world. So the references, those references that they gave, those are like the biggest corporate media whores going on legacy media right those are the people who are making thirty thousand dollars per episode to tell you whatever their corporate sponsors want you to you know okay 
So find anything else interesting? Did you find the science, the data that he's wrong about? Speaking to comedian Bill Burr about COVID-19 while smoking cigars, Rogan said half humorously, half seriously. I love that they've decided they get to decide sure. how seriously he was. They're going to analyze his humor. That wearing a mask was for bitches. Yeah. Testosterone is not in short supply on the Joe <laughs> Rogan. Also uh, implying that that's negative. Right. Okay. He is like a gym guy. There okay. might be some testosterone. He hosted Dr. Andrew Wheel, the king of promoting unproven and disproven pseudo-medical remedies. Mm. So vitamins, probably. <laughs> <laughs> wow. For the for the for the record, okay. Wheel ridiculed the idea that placebo effects need to be ruled out from studies. For the record, they have to be subtracted, though, because they represent nonspecific effects of everything but the intervention. However, Wheel claimed enthusiastically that they should be ruled in because that's the meat of medicine. That's the pure healing from within. That shows a stunning misunderstanding of scientific research. So the person writing this article believes that your mind is a separate entity from your body uh, and that your mind does not influence the health of your body at all. And this doctor, Wheel, claiming that we need to include placebo effect results in study information because when people take something that they think is helping them, they start feeling better. Some do. Many people do. Yeah. I've done that to myself. Oh, yeah. Uh, pseudoscience. Pseudoscience. Your mind does not affect your physical health he's at a, all. He's a science denialist, obviously. All right. So they basically just go on. They talk about the transgender thing. They talk about Brett Weinstein, a former biology professor turned podcasting conspiracy theorist. Um, <laughs> being interested in the topic awesome. of nutrition, Rogan has also aired long conversations with people on the topic of diets. Perhaps the strangest of all was Michaela Peterson, who is not a dietitian, meaning someone else did not decide she was allowed to talk about it. So this is an unacceptable perspective right she did not have an institution give her permission to learn and share information about diets yeah we can't have that so she's not a dietitian that's what that means claiming that a diet consisting exclusively of beef and salt cured her arthritis Mm. there are many many problems with this carnivore diet and it baffles me that peterson is someone rogan would look to for insights on what to eat this uh, (laughs) this is the problem is that these people are coming from the perspective that your news is your pastor and he's telling you what to think and what to do. No, not when, your news, they, the news. The news, yeah. right. And, and that's not what the news is supposed to be. There's still supposed to be a firewall between you and the information that you look at where you use your mind and your abilities to filter through what's bullshit and what's not. And people who've lost the ability to do that look at shows like Joe Rogan and they freak out because they don't know you're supposed to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, Aha! Ba-ding! All right, so... We're going to cut this Joe Rogan experience short and um, admit our friend Evno Omni into the room. Thank you so much for everybody that joined in uh, on the Joe Rogan thing. Uh, Idris Giacomini, good bumper sticker about biting the dog, she says. Biting the dog? Yeah, your data doesn't match my dogma. Oh, yeah. So my dogma has to bite you. Ah, right. (laughs) All right, let's get... Right. um, Oh, yeah, you got to add the dog getting aggressive. Microphone is on. Microphone's on. That's a good start. You misspelled his name. I didn't spell it. That's oh. how he has it spelled. <laughs> oh, I see. The problems of modern technology and dealing, I do apologize for 
my tardiness and the issues that have caused it. Hey, welcome. I apologize for the issues that have caused your tardiness as well for your sake. Uh, we're just having a good time. We've just been having a conversation about all of the stuff. I, I, I caught up till about 9.45, and then my phone thought that that was a great time to force a system update. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why you were a little bit late. It just was like, no, we're going to take the next 30 minutes, and you, you better plug it in or else. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, Evno. Thanks for bringing some beautiful sunshine and green living things into this dead environment we're here in Montana. I think I hear bugs. And birds. Yeah, there there are some bugs. There are not so many birds. I actually decided to come out here because I figured a background would be oh, yeah. the cinder cone wow. and, and, and the um, lava flow that upset probably, you know, a few thousand acres and a few hundred thousand, not a few hundred thousand, but definitely a few thousand homes out here. Woo. Wow. Got some weeds coming in already. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> where where on Big Island? So I, I, I definitely caught a lot of what you guys were saying earlier, mm. but it, is there anything in the last half hour or so that was vital? Uh, we've just been going through an article about um, Joe Rogan and how he's says horrible things on his show, and it's not fair that Spotify gave him $100 million to do it. Joe Rogan versus science. Yeah. Versus the scientific consensus. A pot smoking right. bodybuilder, a podcaster against. He even all, said he was. All of science, which I think is just Tony Fauci. <laughs> so I want to see the Tony Fauci, Joe Rogan. Tony Fauci does showdown. not does not debate people. He is science. And if you want to debate him, then you disrespect science. Well, somebody just said science versus that's what we were doing. Science versus okay. Joe Rogan. I, I, I grant that, you know, and I, I, I know you've reiterated many times that what has Joe Rogan or any of his guests actually actually said that was against science. Um, so I won't bring that up again. Yeah. Although to, to me, part of what is absolutely fascinating about this is, you know, you, you guys were mentioning the brainwashing earlier. I, I did uh, appreciate the, the, the Goebbels quote, even if that's what Facebook is saying, it got you more censored. Get me that. closer to being off for good. Right. But you're not off for good yet, which means they don't think you're that influential yet. Right, um, exactly. <laughs> hey, put your phone in your hat and then it cuts the wind noise down. Okay. I can put my uh, like I a don't little... know if there's a place I can set my hat. Oh. Okay. How's that? That sounds better. Nice. Okay. Hey, you look great. How are you doing? Uh crazy as ever. Um yeah, I I, I, I the, the personal stuff out here is crazy. But you know, it's like I'm guessing that is for everyone. You know, you want to talk brainwashing, you want you want to talk the the tropes not making sense. Um, on a personal note, my mother was diagnosed with a brain tumor oh. right around Christmas. Oh. Um, you know, and, and so they've been doing that. She gets put into a hospital. She, she also finds out at the same time that she has severe diabetes and all oh, of this. Geez. But they put her in the hospital, you know, 
to to start chemo or whatever else the medical community says is best. And you know, it's like okay, I I know some of those things sometimes work. I know a lot of other things that may also work that you know they don't want to hear, and that's fine. The second or third day she is in the hospital, her roommate tests positive for COVID. Mm. Her roommate and in the hospital or her roommate? Her roommate in the hospital. And of course, this is a place with all the protocols and everybody's fully vaccinated and boosted as well. Right. Um, and so, you know, fine. And then a few days later, she develops COVID, you know, fine. We kind of expected what have you. When you go into a hospital. But the thing that gets me is that now my parents are adamant that I can't even visit them can't, you know, show my mother her grandchildren because our family's not vaccinated. Even though she's the one that tested positive for COVID. Even though she's the one that tested positive, even though they both have all of the, you know, all three doses, whatever, of oh, what gosh. they were trying to do. So I try, trying to cope with that and, and, and how to get across those sorts of um developments because it's one of those things that has really been fascinating to me uh, and I'm, I'm sure dark you know th th this speaks to you a little bit as well this is the most effective um divisive psyop i've ever seen oh and you guys have been evaluating them for a long time so yeah go yeah, back and forth been, on that it's one. been a hobby for a while <laughs> uh yeah that's why we started off talk talking about the gables quote because if we can't understand what led up and the mechanics of a horrendous thing, then we're doomed to report, you know, repeat the horrendous thing. So it seems that to me, this, this thing is, um, it's got a lot of muscle, but I feel like it has, uh, the guest that we had on our show two weeks ago was talking about there's no head on the monster to stop the problem. There's no official Goebbels. There's no guy that we know of well, directing I mean, the public there, relations. There, there is and there isn't. And I mean, th this is part of what I wanted to get into because a bit of information that I recently got that your listeners might be very interested in. She's ready to Google I it. I, I know Ainsley um, mentioned before how most mainstream media comes from three sources or uh, in this country. But where do those three sources get their information from? Right. Where do they get it? I, I guess I well, assume they're, they're given. Oh, yeah. I guess people must think that Rachel Maddow goes out and like does journalism and they don't realize that someone has the job of giving her what she's going to say every night. Something like that. Well, th this is the interesting part, right? Is because all of the commercial news sources, as well as places like NPR, are, you know, especially over the last 20 years with the decimation of the fourth estate mm. and journalism, you know, becoming much more for profit than actually about truth. I mean, that's always kind of been the case. It's always been but a, a in conflict. the modern age. Th there's been a lot of outsourcing and things like that. And so, what's the main wire? Rutgers AP, right? Right. Okay. Associated Press. Associated Press and Rutgers. 
right. are the wires that most of the commercial mainstream media get um, their story leads from. So whoever's writing Rachel Maddow's bits well, every night goes to those well, sources. No. I mean, no? they, they, they add some things on their own, sure. So the AP and wire then, um, sends something across, and then Fox News spins it their way, and, and MSNBC it spins it their way. That's their right, job is to... Right. Spin it into so, their demographic. The, the the point of information I recently found out that I'm surprised you guys, may, you may already know, the president of Rutgers. Oh yeah, is on the board for Pfizer. Yeah, and yeah. I I like that I like that it's on the page called Our People. Our people. <laughs> My man in Havana. My man in Havana. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, you know, I showed that to some people. I showed that to some people, and they're like, oh, well, you know. That, you know, people change jobs sometimes. What, people, you cha- say people, people change jobs, yeah. yeah like change jobs. No, he, he's, he's currently at both. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a problem. Jobs. Fine. Well, actually, I heard because we were talking about this last fall sometime because I saw I it, it just, you know, we started going down the fact checking the fact checkers. So when you yeah. start looking into Reuters and started looking at that, then that led me to the guy actually working for Pfizer. And the well, same he thing. Work. He's on the board. That's the interesting thing, because the board does not get paid by the company except in shares. Right. The board are, are, the, are the advisory board, but they tend to be the ones that are in charge of what the company do and actually give in, you know, so. So he could increase his bottom dollar. A high conflict of interest. Yeah, he could increase his bottom dollar by having some influence on the fact checking news outlet. That is deciding well, not, whether the product that he's going to make money influence. on. It's like, you know, he's in a position where he can say, you know, if you want to continue to run Rutgers AP news stories, you need to buy our line on this. I don't know how it works. I can't speculate, but the conflict of interest seems pretty stark. So, but, you know, it, it's also fascinating to me. Um, because it's like there's no one you can trust these days. Because, yes, the, the mainstream media is highly suspect. You know, you and I have known this for a while. A lot of people haven't, you, you know. It's like I, I had hoped that the constant up um, support of the war in Iraq that turned out to be completely false, yet for two and a half years you could not get find any mainstream news articles saying that we should maybe not go into Iraq. Right. You know, it, it should have been evidence for some people. Yeah, Evno was woke before woke broke. Uh, <laughs> back no, back I, when it know, actually I, meant a good thing. <laughs> back when it was like, actually good. <laughs> See, no, I just... Coming from a philosophical background, right, the, the, the motto is question everything. Right. So, you know, that, that's been my modus operandi. And the very fact people have been refusing to question, you know, you guys like to put it as cognitive dissonance, but obvious, you know, incongruencies has been very frustrating. Mm. Um, and it's been also interesting to me that 
the way that this is phrased, right, is okay. I, I'd rather you guys ask me some questions right now. <laughs> I have something else I want to well, say. I don't know how to phrase it yet, but we'll come back to it. Yeah, when it pops uh, up, I, just jump in. Yeah. Because okay, I wanted but, to say, on top of the the Reuters um, Pfizer guy, um, when we were fact-checking our fact-checkers, which is now Jimmy Dore is doing that on his show. He has a segment every week where he fact-checked the people fact-checking his show. And it's always like blatantly uh, wrong propaganda or doesn't actually address the point that they say they're addressing. Um, and there's one of those fact-checkers is called Lead Stories. Have you seen that one? So Lead Stories. No. Yeah, Lead Stories is one of these popular ones. So when I started fact-checking, I'm like, okay, so who is Lead Stories? And it's just a front for the Rand Corporation, which is a military-industrial propaganda contractor. Wow. They're the ones who are fact-checking your um, your vaccine uh, uh, information. Right. The U.S. military. I've, I've, I've only the, the only ones I've seen, given my interactions with the media these days, have been the ones on Facebook. And, you know, those have already been proven to be blatant. So. Right. And and unanswering the the questions they say to answer. So, but again, congratulations on on, on your shadow ban. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, Another one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, interestingly enough, they keep showing up in my feed. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that that's only just the algorithm, you know, promoting itself because I do interact with them. I, you know, I, I do click the like or make a yeah. comment. And, yeah. And so it's like, okay, we guess we need to show it to him since that's what keeps him on. <laughs> uh, right, right. That's what keeps him on Facebook. I also have another theory that um, the algorithm, when they shadow ban you, they reduce they reduce your viewership to just the people who already post the same things as you. It seems to be That's my theory. Um, is that is that preaching to the choir. They have you preaching to your choir. They let you preach to your choir for a while um until they feel like they're going to give you a chance to actually go play with the rest of the playground for a minute. Yeah. Uh Deb sa- asks, "Evno, how did you and Dark meet?" Um I it was a open mic. I was in the parking lot of an Indian restaurant. Back in 2002. In Honolulu. He came in with some dreads and a beard, and uh, we had an open mic where we could do anything. Music, Bouteau dance, improvisation, political speeches, rants, jokes. Uh, Evno got up and grabbed the microphone and screamed very loudly, Freak! (laughs) And then he had a poem about that topic. (laughs) And then from that point on, he was Evno Omni, a.k.a. Danger Monkey. Danger Monkey. I, I don't remember. Okay, that may be in your mind. I, I was never called Danger Monkey to my face, so I was unaware of that moniker. Oh. oh. No, you said something about somebody rode by when you were riding your bicycle, and uh, some person yelled the window out the window at you um, angrily, Danger Monkey. All right. Well, you know, I, I may have smoked too much ganja in my time. <laughs> Short-term memory, perhaps. Right. Anyway, it sounded good on the microphone. Um, so, yeah, I've known Evno for... Um, 20 years. Jesus, 20 years now. Woo. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amazing what happens with time and age. Yeah. Well, it's always nice to have some people that stick around because there has been a definite um, exodus. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, a lot of people have just dropped off the friends list. Not necessarily well, from I mean, my. This is what I'm talking about. You know, this seems manufactured division, right? Oh, it's I pretty have good. Never seen something split communities in the way that this has. You know. No, it feels and, fractal because, like the 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 Neil Young would be one of those fractal ways where suddenly everybody had to have an opinion about Neil Young and Joe Rogan and Spotify. So now, right, and it, it's one of those things that it used to be down relatively political lines, and 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 that's also what you know really getting me about this is is they're still trying to make it political lines, yeah, but the stories on either side aren't making sense, and and it's really, you know, in, in some ways disheartening because you know you want you want to talk about the division and things like that. It's like okay. We all know that Q was a psyop. I mean, we all know. But Do we? It, it, I mean, I, I think on some level it was. But I, I, what do you mean by that? And where can we like? What do you like, mean by we know now it was a psyop? Because I know like lots of people for, where to them it was a very real quest to kick pedophiles out of government. Right. I, yeah, except for you know. Trump was as much a fan of Epstein as as Clinton. Was that he? Is, it, well, there are some pictures, but you know how rich people are? They hang out together. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, still, it, it, it's like, um, I'll, I'll put it this way. I mean, heck, the Clintons and Trumps were great friends. Yes. You know, and, and still, th this was the funny thing about the 2016 election is that, you know, it really seemed to create divisions politically in families and things like that. But you know who was still talking to each other? Those the two. Clintons and the Trumps. Yeah. You know, so it's like, really, if you want to base it around that kind of political thing. And you, yes, there is a lot of upset in the mainstream news. There's also a lot of just noise in in the conspiratorial youtube channels and things like mm. that and and so the question is you know it's like if it's all noise the mainstream media and, and the thing how how do you find truth and you know you guys have done a somewhat decent job of, of trying to put together the facts and things like that but the 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 way that the media is, is portraying this as an us and them it's like when when i say you know, okay, I have serious concerns about the vaccine. It's like people like my parents says, oh, you've been watching way too much Fox News. And it's like, I right. never watched Fox News. But that's, you know? but that's the religion is to them. If you said that thing, then you must right. believe but, all the know, other it, things. It, it, it's like at the same time, if I, I say to the other, you know, well, I actually believe critical race theory is a good thing. And I do believe women have the right to choose at any point of the pregnancy and things like that. You know, it's Confuse. like. Confuse. Yeah. It, it's like, <laughs> you know, how can you ha have those views? What side are you on? It's like, I'm on side. It shouldn't be about sides. We should be having these discussions. But the very fact that the media on both sides, again, both sides are, are telling you, you, you know, that you can trust people that share this belief and not trust people that share the other because they are on the opposing team really, really seems constructed. Right. It, it's they've got P 
people fighting each other so that they cannot recognize the actual power structures that are going on. Mark French says that you make a fantastic point, Evno, about the increase in noise. Oh, yeah. Right. There's a really nice book by Matt Taibbi uh, called Hate Incorporated. And it's about how he's like second generation journalist who had to get out because for a long time they said, you just need to write about Trump. We don't care if it's good or bad. Just write about Trump. And because of the divisiveness is really it's it drives it drives the clicks, whether it's a conscious conspiracy or whether it's just an effect of the model that they're using that is shaping reality. I don't know. I don't know how conscious it is. I I, I think it's both. But I think, you know, it's a very effective way to not get people upset at the power structures. They should. It seems to be very effective. You know, how, how do you prevent a class war? Well, you, you instigate a, a racial and political war. <gasps> I know what that movie that's from. That's from Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York is another one of those movies. Yeah, yeah for where, sure. Where somebody, some rich person at a table full of rich people was like, look, we're going to keep the people from lynching us by making them all fight each other. It's perfect. Yeah. And they're yeah. still doing it. They're still doing it. And they're doing it on unprecedented scales. It's, pre- it's impressive. Right. So it's the question of, you know, it's like, how do you combat that if everybody is coming into a conversation thinking you're either for them or against them and not willing to have conversations Mm. about what the actual facts are? You know, it's one of the things that really gets to me. It's like people say, trust the science. Okay, I have a Ph.D., I, I may not be in the hard sciences, but I've definitely taken courses in the high, hard sciences and have colleagues who are. I know how to read academic papers and research papers. And yet, you know, it's like... No, that's only for the priesthood to interpret for you. Right. It's like, um, no, I, I you know, I, 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 I didn't, I did way too long in grad school to be able to be able to be on that level. And, you know, it's like, you don't get to tell me how I I should read these things and which (laughs) ones are worth reading. Uh, I get to look at the evidence, (laughs) but if the evidence is lacking and you just want to talk on talking points that come from this source or that source without actually saying, okay, what are the speculations on this source or, you know, what are the modus operandi? Who's paying to, to get this research done? Yeah. Conspiracy um, nut. Early, earlier in the chat, Mark French said, Danger Monkey is the coolest thing that someone with a doctorate has ever been called unbeknownst to them. <laughs> uh, Gerald F. popped on briefly to yeah. ask what QAnon was. Right. So um, that for those of you that might want, not, might have like, Missed that entire story for some reason. Right. Which is, there are tons of people that don't know about it. Um, it, it was a movement just like the Black Lives Matter movement or the Me Too movement. Um, and, and, I, and it's not completely gone, but you can watch a documentary called Q Into the Storm. Um, it's Netflix. Cur- it's currently on HBO, actually. Oh, HBO. Yeah, it's moved to HBO. <clears throat> so background on that. If you're curious. Um, we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, uh, Fabio Vigio from Cardiff. And... We asked him some questions because he had a pretty controversial proposal in uh, in this article that I wanted him to talk about, which was that 
how much is the virus affecting the economy and how much did the economy affect the virus narrative? And after talking about some pretty interesting and complicated stuff, um, what I did with him is what I want to do with you because he was talking about the idea of the system being so intangible that it's impossible to chop the head off and that probably the best thing we can hope to do is wait for it to implode upon itself just through sheer excess. Something to that matter. And part of me feels like it really is about, like we should be talking to each other because if we're still talking about the ongoing disaster, we're wrapped up in the disaster. Right. And I, 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 I think that's part of it because you, you're, you're fighting a, a stream of misinformation that, again, is being designed to, to divide people. As you say, you've lost many friends. Right, you, right. You lost your position at, at the radio station where this all started just because of asking these kinds of questions. Um, and so for me, it's like, OK, well, what does it actually take? To listen to each other. Right. And, you know, be, being a student of NBC, nonviolent communication, for those who don't mm-hmm. know, and, 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 and empathetic listening and things like that, there's also a serious question here as to, you know, it's like if people aren't willing to listen, then you can't make them listen. Mm-hmm. And, and and part of the effect, you know, we already had it for a few years with the media constantly raising alarm bells about every little thing Trump did or tooting his horn, depending on which media you were following. Right. Um, that this, the pandemic has created traumatic experience. Right. And, and, and people, when suffering trauma, are much less likely to be able to listen to things rationally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, this to me does seem part of the construction. Now, you, you want to ask who's constructing it. You know, that, that, that's a, not something that they're letting me know the answers to. Mm. Um, but again, as as last week's guest pointed out, it is very interesting that this pandemic has widened the wealth gap more. Dramatic, yeah. In the last two years, than it's been in the past fifty, and it's been widening and widening in the past fifty. Yeah, so just it's right. up and up and up and up. That was kind of the popularity of the rise of Bernie was that topic. Right. You had to shut him down. You know, it's like we want to get into Q. You know, yes, people were upset that the election was stolen. The election was not stolen from Trump, but the DNC did steal the nomination from Bernie twice. Totally. You know, and and for those that don't know, okay, you know, the, the two things I will quote at this point, there is reams and reams of evidence for this. But in the 2016 election, the Hillary campaign had complete control of DNC finances since July of 2015. Uh. 
And, and, and for those looking for a source, you can actually find that in, in one of the chairs of the DNC's memoir, Hacks. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. Oh, that was the Russians, though. But let's just talk about the Russians, okay? Because that's the bigger issue here. <laughs> you, well, know, you know, the Russians like, are meddling in our elections. You got, you, what, what did they do? <laughs> just keep saying Russians because it's scary. They just spread some disinformation. And, you know, you can't track it because that's how sneaky it was. Yeah. Right. But we're already accusing them of performing a false leg attack in Ukraine. So we can be justified in, in being angry at them again. You know, the, we, is that we where we're going to war next? To keep yeah, the populace yeah. In fear. And of course, in 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 2020, the, they got it from Bernie by just having Obama call each and every one of the other candidates once Biden won one. And by the way, the the endorsement that got Biden was it South Carolina. Georgia? Yeah, I feel like... I think it was South Carolina, maybe. Like, he won one... Like, Bernie lost one state. And everybody was like, well, I guess we better not vote for him. (laughs) In case not enough of us vote for him. It was a wide field. It was a wide field, right? And Bernie was in the lead. Yeah. And they had many primaries left to go. I, I wish I remembered his name, but the black senator who died from South Carolina to endorse... um biden he did and then obama called every other candidate and said well yeah no you 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 need to drop out of the race john lewis you're talking about john lewis i'm talking about john lewis yeah so it's like there's definitely a lot of um nefariousness so you know we can ask if we actually live in a democracy in the first place which you know some people say we haven't since at least 2001 when the you know supreme court threw out the votes of florida and giving us w <laughs> for two two terms um you know no some go all you. the way back as far as when the cia nixed jfk but you know yeah the question is 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 if we admit that we don't live in a democracy then what, what can be done <laughs> So that's 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 what I want to ask you. Yeah, what can um, we, let's you la- spent you have minutes. a you have a lot you have a long history of actually dealing with of of being in community, forming community, emceeing community, facilitating community events. And I I have the same background and we've had some crossover. Um I feel like and I want to propose this idea and you tell me what you think about it is that I feel a little frustrated at myself for continuing to be engaged in such a ridiculous story as the coronavirus narrative. I find myself getting drawn back into it like it's a heroin act, uh, uh, addiction or something. I was like, I can't, oh, they said that bullshit? Well, they can't say that bullshit. And so then I have to go do some research and then get in arguments with people that I don't even know. So, like, I want to do something more creative. And the idea of fostering space in a post-coronavirus world where everybody is still paranoid. So many people are still paranoid about germs. You know, the, the neuroses have gone ripping through the society. How do we get people together? How do you foster well, community is, again when it's quasi it illegal? Incredibly, incredibly effective at separating people. Yeah. Right. Because at this point, you know, it's like 
you can. And I, I know people that have tried holding events according to the regulations with people masked, you know, in, in some states, you know, to, to be an indoor event, you have to have one of the cards. Um, and then there are questions about, you know, well, where do you get a card if you, you don't want the jab and all of this? And- <laughs> Which then is going to hasten the digital ID because of everybody's ruining the trust of the little paper cards with the big pen. trusted the card, then yeah. we wouldn't have so, to make you have an app on your phone. Get your QR, baby. In order baby. to have a phone. So I think, right. what, what, what do you think about this idea? I mean, I, we may have to reinvent on how we get together. It may have to become like the idea of more... Uh, private events and gatherings where you right. have a private that's, that's glove in your own house, those. so you're not limited to those restrictions of the commercial businesses. How do you? What do you think but, about but that the, idea? Again, that's self-selecting as well, because like on one hand, you can try and do everything according to the rules, and then you'll get the people that you know are are listening to to the mainstream media and others. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, it's like I mean, I'm here in Pune. Yeah, and Pune has always had a reputation of being alternative and not listening to um, the normal sorts of narratives. But it's like you know, here if you ask for masks at an event, it's like there's a bunch of people that won't show up for that. Just because in rebellion against that. Well, in rebellion against that, and because you know they think that it's ridiculous and unnecessary, so it's like there's very little way of getting the people that believe that everybody needs to be protected because coronavirus is the most dangerous thing ever. And everybody that believes that, you know, okay, not only are the vaccine mandates ridiculous, but also the masks are ridiculous and we we should be close to each other and hugging each other again. Um, And we never should have stopped. And it's like, how do you get those people to talk to each other when the point of contention has become very much, how do we gather in the first place? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's quite a conundrum. But, you know, it's going to happen. This is what humans do. So it's going to happen. And so I'm just... I say it, 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 it is, and it is happening. Yeah. But it is happening among those divisive lines. Hmm. And And so the question is, you know, it's like, how do you get people talking to each other? How do you get them not disagreeing with each other? And and, and it's interesting because it's one of those things that, you know, you guys were planning on going to the, the march in Washington. Mm. Right. That says, you know, vaccinated, unvaccinated, doesn't matter to us. Just, you know, we don't believe in mandates and that people should have free choice. Shocking. Which, seems like it, it, it should be bringing people together, right? But just given, again, the divisions that are, are happening, if I show up to something like that and also say, you know, you know, yes, I, I definitely believe mandates are wrong, but I also believe that there's been systematic problems with the policing and black lives do matter, yeah, three quarters of the crowd is going to chant me down, so it doesn't necessarily feel like a safe space. Right. So the question becomes: Is you know what can be done to have those sort of communications? And I don't know because again, people have been traumatized to this point of not knowing 
you know, and, and, and going with what their tribe is telling them mm-hmm. instead of being able to look at evidence for themselves because of the trauma of the past few years, whether it's trauma involved with actually losing people to COVID or trauma involved with losing one's jobs because of the change in economy. But it's been very traumatic. And so, you know, for me, this is where I go more of a Buddhist line. It's like, how do we continue to have compassion for all? Even those that aren't willing to listen to us, because it may be a while before people are willing to listen. You know, we know that for decades, at least since Nickleby, but probably long before that, the school systems in general have been driving people away from critical thinking. Mm. And so you combine that with, you know, again, media on both sides, which is telling people not to think, you know, our side is right and the other side is evil. It makes it very hard when you're dealing with uncritical thinking people who are not willing to to question the narratives they're being given. So again, I fall back into the mentality of question everything, encourage other people to question everything, show unconditional compassion. Compassion does not equal Mm. trust, but show unconditional compassion to everybody because everybody's trying to figure it out for themselves. You know, and this is part of the thing that gets me is, you know, it's most of the small governments and and other things that are going along with this. They're not going because they have nefarious plans. They're just going because, you know, it's like trade deals, not only trade deals, but also some of them honestly believe it's the right thing to do Uh. because that's the be they've been given and they don't feel they're in a position to, to challenge the national narrative. Right. Right. And, you know, we, we just wanted to be shown to be doing what's best for our people. This is what the government says is best for our people. So this is what we're going to do. Or this is what our party says is best for our people. So we're, this is what we're going to do. Right. So Darren Anthony uh, yes. in the UK, he says he's right along that same line, Evno. So paranoid and skeptical of the government right now. In Ireland and the UK, they removed the vax passes and mask mandates. I don't understand it because I have the view that everything is strategic to the detriment of the people. So I just keep thinking it's part of some bigger plot. And he says he gets, when stuff like this happens, he gets pulled back into the narrative. He gets like, ah, when you are looking at the shit that's being pulled on you and you're like, this seems harmful. Mm. And then they suddenly reverse that. It makes you feel like, well, wait, Perceptual destabilization. Why are, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's a KGB thing, right? Right. Like that's that we learned that from Russia like a hundred years ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that there is a lot of nefariousness going on, but it doesn't I take honestly, much for us to respond in dramatic ways. But I, I also believe, you know, that part of it and, and, you know, you, you've, I know, Dark, you've witnessed human nature long enough to recognize this, and, and Ainsley is getting me. But, you know, a lot of it is as much ignorance and incompetence as it is being nefarious. Right. There are a few people right. being nefarious, and then there are a ton of people who are either ignorant or incompetent or just are looking the other way. Go along to get along because that's yeah. it's too dangerous right. to right. question the narrative. Not because, every- you know, it's like, okay, yeah, uh, I, 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 need, I, need, I need the jab to keep my job. I need my job to keep doing my family. Mm. And, you know, if 
I buy the line that it's it's actually dangerous for me, then I have to deal with the fact that I may be poisoning myself and living less time for my family. <sighs> as long as I continue to believe the narrative, then I did the right thing. And you know, that that solves my cognitive dissonance. So <laughs> right. So yeah, um, I I I am interested in solutions and I, I I'm interested like when you see signals in the environment where the season changes and you know that there's this force coming in that's undeniable, I feel like I'm seeing those things now. I see the narrative cracking in a way where people who are starting to question the fullness of the story. And I think it is important to re reiterate what you said about having compassion for people who got duped and want to come out of the dupedness. Mm, mm. So rather than saying, ha ha, I told okay, you so, bitches, yes. you were so dangerous, and you blah, blah, to be able to say, okay, okay. That's that universal it's total, It's totally understandable that you went that direction. Yeah. Given the information that you were looking at. Totally get it. And have some compassion for some people and see where that leads us, because I think as humans, we do want to gather. I don't think we've been broken so hard that we don't want to pack together and have a good time and sometimes rub sweat on each other. Right. Although, you know, at the same time, it's like, again, I, I know it's in my family. How many families are, you know, okay. They don't, the vaxxed people don't want to see the unvaxxed people. So do the unvaxxed people ha have to get it just to be around their blood relatives? Well, but I think that narrative is, is going to, is going to switch. The data is coming out. Enough people know what's going on. It's sort of a soft belly landing without are, wheels are, are on this story sure? because you know i how many people today can you get to say that the war in afghanistan was a mistake i don't know yeah. that's a good one how many people can you get to say get to say you know okay wait, wait, what do you mean by mistake i mean i think it was a very was profitable the best interest of the of the people oh. of the country Oh, it, was, it seems like they went the U.S. people or the Afghani's. I think it went. I'm, I'm not talking the weapons manufacturers. Oh, here. okay. I am, I am. I'm talking the people that you know the media was saying for for years. We need to go to war. We're at war. You know how many people are, have been willing to admit they were duped by that? Yeah, that's a rough one. Well, this one, this one has more. It's bringing, I think, closer to home, real life and death implications for people as. I don't know if you want to talk about this topic because this is one of those controversial topics, but the idea of uh, vaccine-acquired immune um, what they deficiency. Call it? Uh, immune Gates. deficiency vaccine syndrome. Vaccine-acquired immune yeah. deficiency. So there's this notion yeah, that I mean, people that, who got the third shot have compromised it. themselves. I know people who got you know seriously injured you know, I'm assuming by the vaccine because it happened within a day or two of them getting their first or second shot. No. But are still flying the narrative. Right. So I'm not sure that just a couple of instances of evidence to the contrary are, is enough to get people to change their minds at this point. I know people that people that were in the military that we're not willing to admit that going to Afghanistan was a mistake, even given all the horrors they saw until this last year when they saw, okay, and we came out and nothing came of it. Right. You know, so it, it's like, I don't know what it will take. I do believe people want to get together. 
but they also, given the narratives, want people to believe the same thing they believe. Because I don't think the mainstream's covering the viral immune deficiency. It's certainly not covering the mitocarditis as it should. Mm -hmm. um, but more and more people I, are leaving the mainstream news. I, I think they said something like CNN's ratings have gone down now. I don't know. I, right. I'd have to look at like you know, a dramatic really number. I don't know what the number was. Either, right. So it, it's, you know, it, it, it's either one side or the other. Fox, it's interesting to me that people complain when leftists go on Fox News. It's like, what are you doing supporting the enemy? And then it's like, well, mainstream won't cover us. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they'll have someone on there defending that, you know, climate change is a hoax when we can see the evidence of that in, in our yearly weather patterns. We can see the evidence of that in the major storms that have been hitting. So, you know, it, it's one of those things that I don't necessarily know if I trust people to come around anymore. And so my question is, you know, is how can we share compassion and share space with people we continually disagree with. And I, I know that's one of the things you've been working on, but again, you get drawn back into the narrative. No, it, it really feels like a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I just feel like I'm having to club off zombies who are repeating public relations tropes and they just keep coming with the same tropes and then like, here's some data, show me yours, and then the same tropes, you know, they, or they just get mad. And it does feel like a zombie attack because I'm not right. having so, an yeah, interaction yeah. with somebody. So what what would happen if we stop expecting people to think critically? You know, we, we can encourage it, but I don't think we can expect it as a basis for human relationships anymore. You just got to make it sexy. <laughs> so um, a little that doesn't help the asexuals. <laughs> you, you know, there are definitely it's true. Some there people some aren't motivated by that. It's true. Well, it does have. There's, there is a sizable demographic. <laughs> so a little while ago, Deb brought up, she says, I'm reminded that James Madison invited us to this democratic shindig with framing the Constitution along class financial lines. And Mark French re-clarified, um, Deb made a fantastic point about James Madison and the iterations and American democracy being for land-holding men at its very inception. It holds true for the collapse of feudalism and the birth of the French Revolution. Mm. We're getting back to these economic roots of our current problems. Mm. Uh, and people who are sitting there repeating media tropes and wondering, why is this happening? Or why would they say that if they didn't care? And it's like, it's because we, it all comes back to the land-holding men. Except the land-holding men are now like holding massive amounts of numbers in the cloud of the stock markets. Well, they're not like men that. anymore. They're BlackRock and Vanguard right. and they're entities uh, that represent entities shareholders. Are mostly controlled by men, it's true. Um, but still, yes. It, or, the it, it, or shareholders, right? So if you have dozens of shareholders, how do you hold all of them accountable? That's the problem. Right. There's and, no and, head and to chop problem. off. It's, it's, and, and that's the thing, yeah. So... I don't know. Again, we, if you're asking for solutions, yeah. My my, my suggestion is be nice and compassionate to yeah. everybody. Educational and don't, compassionate. Don't don't take attacks on points of view personally. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that's really hard not to do, especially you know when when somebody's either coming at you with blatantly false information, or 
you know, attacking you as a person because of what you're saying, because you're being a holden to truth. But, you know, it's also, you, you say you feel in the zombie apocalypse. This is where I really appreciate some of the Eastern philosophies. Yeah. Because, you know, if as the Hindus and the Buddhists hold, this is all Maya, this is all a dream, then don't take it so seriously anyway. You know? Well, I think there's another way to look at it from the Asian perspective that sometimes seasons come round. And oh, this is do. this they is do. a season of cyclical. humanity. And it's all cyclical and you can do your part, but it's not up to you what your part is or what the results mm. of it will be. So don't mm. be attached to the results. Right, right. Mm. That's a good point. You know, just Go in, in, enjoy the this play, is a whole class. enjoy the dream. <laughs> Do the best you can to be for truth and, and, and to remove suffering. But other than that, you know, don't be attached. Have some ice cream on occasion. There you go. Unless you're lactose intolerant, in which case have some or, co- or coconut really gelato. Because I'm assuming you guys aren't eating much ice cream in Montana. <laughs> we, had, we had ice cream last night. Um, only oh. under duress. Yeah, but it was under duress. <laughs> in, in my part. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Like ten minutes overtime. Sure, well, we're already sure. ten minutes overtime. Let's go another ten minutes overtime since Avno had some stuff that kept us from joining us. Kept him from joining us um, when we all wanted to. So slash on YouTube. Yeah. Um, uh, says they're setting us up for the Marburg virus. They mm. want people to mingle to spread it. But if you look at La Quinta Columna's video. Marburg is just graphene microbubbles exploding intravenously. So and they're then, saying this disease is the result of the vaccination. Uh, is that what they're saying? We have yeah. there. Everybody in the chat knows about this except you and me. Oh, amazing! Yeah. Darren Anthony from Ireland says, "Yeah, like, um, no, wait, no, oh, he didn't say that. Um, <laughs> sorry, no." No, no, no. Oh, he said, I heard about the Marburg virus. They have patented the vaccine for it, but not sure they can play pandemic again. Stone Fruit Media says um, that the Afghanistan paper said it was pointless. Oh, that that's about Afghanistan, uh. right? The Afghanistan paper said it was pointless as far back as a few weeks into it. WAPO. Mark French. Um, let's see. No, somebody else brought in the. Uh... Anyway, everybody, everybody's everybody's heard about it. Huh. Somebody patented it. Who said so, that? So uh, apparently we need to do research on Marburg. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's apparently yeah, a virus I, I, I say, I, where I it, think when, that the whole pandemic, you know, here. I, ooh, sorry about that. <laughs> that was really fun to watch. <laughs> that was lava. I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can show you guys. But you can still hear me if you just want to see the lava. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. no yeah, you're I, part I, of the I, environment I, I i would definitely agree that you know the the um as young would put it the collective consciousness is probably tired of the pandemic so they'll have to think of something new but at the same time it's like if, if the marburg is control you know it's whatever we're saying about the vaccine now the country's already, depending on where you're at, between 60 and 85% vaccinated. Yeah. So it's like, I, I'm not sure what else they're going to do at this point. I got, I got two um, ideas. It's either uh, back to demons, that there's been an outbreak of demons that have crawled out of a hole somewhere in the Pacific, or aliens. 
that there are aliens possessing various people and it's another way for us to like turn on each other. Well, I mean, I, I definitely, yeah, I, I think the aliens would be a, a good false flag to try and hide what's uh, already been going on with the extraterrestrial things. I mean, cause that's one of the interesting things. Another about, thing our government's been lying to us about. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, this is the thing is like, you know, they, they've been saying they're, they're not real. They're not real. And then. No, they're real. What, what was it? Six months into the pandemic, they're like, oh, yeah, no, we, we admit UFOs are a thing now. Yeah. Um, and, and Perceptual destabilization. Attention yeah. to it. So it, it's like, you know, depending on, on which theories you believe, certain aliens have already been in charge for a while. Um, unfortunately, when I've talked to them, the ones I talked to said, yeah, no, you, we can't help you guys. You, you, you need to get through it yourself. It's going to be a painful birthing process and we don't know what the result's going to be. Yet. Right. Cause much like any other species, there are malevolent and benevolent versions of it. Right. Some sort of natural balance. Yeah. Some shit show just on a different dimension. Right. Well, and, and like just, we can't just be, go, be going like, oh, aliens, yay, they're great. Or aliens, right. ah, they're horrible. Right. If if they exist, then com- it, it would then be it complex to reason that there are benevolent and malevolent aliens, just like there are benevolent and malevolent malevolent humans. I like that idea, uh-huh. which then makes the alien thing no longer because I think people want to just be able to give up having to figure it out because of some overwhelming force can come in and change the narrative. Apocalypse, right. but, Jesus but, I mean, coming that, back, that, that's aliens. That's already happened. They, they've, they've shown with the pandemic they can change. I mean, they. And, they and, and them. Using wrong pronouns maybe <laughs> right now. But, um, you know, th- this has shown the narrative can switch at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, who is controlling the, the narratives as they're coming forth? And how do we keep people vigilant to question everything? Right. Well, what not are only the mainstream, not only the alternative media? Who has time for but... that? <laughs> not single mothers. Well, that's why we're here. So you can follow our journey trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. That's kind of why we're here. Yeah. But the, pr- the problem is you, you get too good at questioning things. You'll never be satisfied with an answer. That, that's what we say. Does I that happen my- to you? Students in, well, this is what I tell all my students in philosophy. Philosophy will never get you the answers. It will just continually get you better and more well-defined questions. I like that. Right. Well, and philosophy I, is just one tool in the toolbox. I don't need, I don't, I mean, I'm it, not it, like it married depends. to I, I am biased on this matter, I fully yeah. admit. You got three philosophy but, degrees, I know. So you do, but, ha- you might have a little bias. <laughs> right. But to, to me, you know, philosophy has always been about just, you know, questioning things and having that open mind, right? Okay, Socrates yeah. Socrates was a drunkard in, 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 in the courtyard challenging people to question their assumptions. Uh, and I do think, you know, that that is what we're actually needing people to do if we want any reason-based reality. But, you know, that may be a pipe dream at this point. I don't necessarily know we can get a reason-based reality or a reason-based culture at this point, um, one that's even open to criticism. So the question is, in the meantime, how can you be compassionate to people and show people you love them even when they may think you're one of them? One of them, yeah. 
That's that's why I th- yeah I keep sticking with the zombie apocalypse thing. You don't know who's been bit yet. And then we right, knew right. But, we but knew the zombies are incurable. The, 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 the zombies you're assuming that the zombies are beyond hope, and so you don't want to spend time with them anymore. Oh, I don't assume Whereas that. what I'm saying is, you know, the zombies, what you're calling zombies, may still be people you love and care about. And you know what? If we're going to build community, it has to be inclusive. It can't be oh, you mm. you bought that mm. for so long, right? I mean, you guys were in cults. Yeah. You still have friends in the cults, yeah. maybe. Yeah. So yeah. are you against the concept of a protective community, such as a quote-unquote safe space? I'm not against the idea of a protective community if there is also a, an open space, a space where people are still willing to go, where things can be held out clear. And I... I actually need to go soon, but I'll, I'll end on this point because, you know, you mentioned Joe Rogan earlier. Yeah. And I know you guys have a lot of the, um, and, and, and your own censorship and, and things from Facebook and, and the mass censorships that have been going on on Twitter. So the question is, is, you know, the, the debate goes, is like, okay, where can we have free speech in this country? Because the um, the main platforms right now are all pro- privately owned, and so yes, the corporations get to decide who speaks on their platform. But we've also come to a point where, well, there is no public square anymore. Mm. And even if there was, people wouldn't go out into it because half of them are afraid of the virus. Mm. So it, it's like you know, where can you have open communication? And share different ideas in a way that's not controlled by corporate interests. And I don't have an answer to that, but that, that's what I'm looking for in terms of, you know, if we, if we actually want to have um, open and free discussion on these issues. Yeah, I, I, this is the question that I want to pursue during this season. I don't think it's an easy answer, but I think it's a question worth considering. And I'm looking for other people who might be considering that question of like, we could be doing something now instead of constantly reacting to either the shock and awe or absurdity of the narrative, which I find myself doing. I find myself really wanting to follow the, the, the latest twist and turn in an insane story. And I feel a little bad for having gotten sucked into it. And I want to, I want to spend my time not online doing that, but with people doing something else. And I'm still not sure what that looks like. So I'm, I'm taking right. so, uh, so survey. Th- 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 this is where, you know, it's like I go back into Buddhist mental- mentalities. It's like, first truth of Buddhism, life is suffering. Now, if you focus on that and you obsess about that, then it becomes a very depressing way of living. Uh-huh. But, you know, the, the bodhisattva vow is to work to eliminate suffering. But, you know, if you're, you're just focusing on the suffering that is already happening and how to remove it, then it's always going to be there. Whereas I find the best way to, to reduce suffering is actually to create spaces of joy, create ways people can be joyful. I know you do that through your art in, in terms of um, the sculptures and things like that. So how can we, instead of focusing on the division points and focusing uh, on the crazy and, and fear-mongering narratives, instead focus on 
Well, what will create joy for the community? What will make people feel better? Maybe it's feeding everybody ice cream, maybe, you know, (laughs) whatever. But the whole idea is like, okay, how do we focus on making something positive instead of how to fix the negativity that seems to be defining our lives? Yeah, I think pivoting in our messaging would be a good idea in that direction. I'm just throwing that out there. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to appreciate you coming on the show. Um, in the midst of a traumatic morning. Thank yeah. you so much. I, I appreciate Wasn't that traumatic, but I, I'm, I'm probably late for my wife now. So okay. I, Better I, run. I deal with domestic issues, if, if not political ones. So All right. I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to our next conversation. Yes, Aloha. sir. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time, Evno. All right. Bye. Aloha. Aloha. Yeah, thanks everybody for. We had like over 100 comments, I guess it said. Yeah. Thanks everybody for being involved in the dialogue. And are there any questions, comments that we need to get to before the end of the show? So much interaction. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mercurius RX popped back on for a while from the ether. He was with us during, I think, season one of Post Orthodoxy. Um, And then everybody's just cross chatting with each other. Deb Stonefruit Media says, condemn all big media and run them as public utilities. Mm I think, yeah, the social, I think that's the way to go. I haven't thought it all the way through. But the idea of a platform such as Facebook or YouTube should be treated in the same way that we used to treat our water systems and our electrical systems before Mm -hmm. they were all monopolized. Right. Um, I think being able to, I think there's different ways to talk about socialism without using the word socialism. And I think taking tools that are good for people and making them available without manipulation would be a positive move. That's just my thought. Tools meaning cognitive tools or food? No, I just mean tools like our media tools, oh, like right. having access to hear each other and listen to each other so and, trust, and have trustworthy sources. Taking profit out of the news. Yeah. Oh, that's like the number one problem. Right. The little inner childhood Republican in me is like, you want us to not make money? No, news should be decommercialized. <laughs> yes. It, it, there may be some way to group source social, uh, um, subsidize it, but it shouldn't, it should be socialized and not co-opted by commercial interest. It's a problem. Right. right. And nothing has demonstrated that more than this particular story of the coronavirus narrative. And you have pharmaceutical companies as the largest um, lobbyist in Washington and some of the largest advertisers on the news. What do you expect from that? That's the part that I'm like, that's happening. And people are like, that's just the way it's always been. And I'm like, well, that's not good enough. I don't want it, though. Don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want it to. Um, Mark French says Stone Fruit Media has it right again with making the Internet what it's supposed to be. Right. What remains is the commons. What remains in the commons is what will determine the rest of our lifetimes and what we have to watch our children go through. And mm. I mean everyone's children, as he has none of his own right, personally. Right, right. Uh, Mark French is going to be our guest on Post-Orthodoxy next week. Oh, my God, that's the idea, right? Yeah, either in person or um, via, Zoom. via Zoom. We're pretty sure he's going to be here in person, which is going to be exciting. We like that idea. I need to clean my kitchen really well. Um, but also... If not, then we'll we'll bring him in via Zoom. It's been so much fun to have you in the chats, and yeah. then also to 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 just bring that conversation here live, where I don't have to pick and choose what I get to Ooh. say from everybody. You know, yeah. 
Um, so thank you so much. We had a lot of people tuning in on Twitch and YouTube today. It's been fun to see you guys pick that up more than um, the oligarchical madness that is Facebook. Yeah. So take a minute at the end of the day and share this video with three people that you think might be interested in joining the conversation with us. Oh, yeah. And you can go to Twitch at the Seviers. Yeah. Dark and pulls clips. I'm short pulling clips. clips and doing uh, post-orthodoxy microdoses. So you can go into our videos and pull a short clip and Rather be like, "Then wade through the whole two-hour oh thing." Yeah. If somebody sends me a two-hour video, I'm just like, "That's nice." Yeah. Yoink. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll read an article, and that's that's uh, you know there are video people and there are article people. And two hours, man. Bleh. Like I don't have a commute. I Unless I know that it's yeah. cool already. Right. right exactly. Know? If so I lived in share, Los Angeles, I would sure whatever. share a little clip so they know we're cool, and they'll want to join in on this sweet conversation we all get to have. Deb Lynch leaves us with chop wood, carry water. That's to, right. To which Mercurius responds: Before and after enlightenment, chop wood. And that's carry right. Water. I love the that. preamble. Aww. Very important well, part. We uh we really appreciate you guys joining us today. This was a lot of fun. I know we went over a little bit. Remember to follow us we, online. We, we don't have a boss. Thank you for visiting our outpost in the borderlands. Post Orthodoxy is a project of Sevier Studios. We host ongoing interactive conversations centered around cognitive liberty, and you can join in by catching one of our live streams on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. You can also catch each conversation after the fact as a podcast by searching for Post Orthodoxy wherever podcasts are found. I just. Were you talking over I, that? No, I ju I just turned it off. Oh, that's okay. Anyway, that's the end, guys. You know the drill. We love you. We'll talk to you later. Oh yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>